Welcome to episode 25 of Zap to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We're using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. In episode 25, which covers the rather cool and dull month of May 1986, we're going to be looking at the first batch of games from issue 13 of Zap 64, along with what was going on in UK music that month. So Graham, tell us exactly what we can expect in this episode. In this mixed salad of an episode, we brave the super budgie smuggling world of Jeff Cape's Strongman Challenge, explore a series of new identities with our alter egos, and get intense deja vu with Captain Grid. I mean Kid Trap. I mean Captain Trap. Sorry, Captain Kid. We also explore the minute punk onesie world of Hocus Focus, sadly with no pocus, smoothly slide around the bendy, bland, techie cleverness of Electroglide, before we drop our joysticks all together and finger our keyboards for some thrust action. Just make sure the lubricant is water-based for this one. (laughs) A lot to look forward to there. (laughs) Maybe, possibly, who knows. (laughs) So let's gird our biceps, grab our budges and heave ho into our first game this month. (laughs) Grab yourself by the budges. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need to for this one. (laughs) You're going to need some serious budgie grabbing for this one. Uh, yeah, um, right. So yeah, so our first game is uh, Jeff Cape's Strongman Challenge. Yeah, that's quite the title. Uh, we looked at the advert for this ages ago, it seems now, didn't it? Yeah, it was yonks ago. It was. It was. Um, I've actually was it? Blo- like, I blocked out my memory. <laughs> I just remember a sweaty Jeff Cape with hairy forearms. I just remember a lot of burl. <laughs> Lots of burl and, and, and white spray. Yeah. Ugh. No, no. <laughs> That's what I remember. Anyway, so what, what's Jeff Cape Strongman Challenge all about? So you play uh, as the titular budgie-loving Jeff, um, England's favourite budgie-lover, um, and because <laughs> I don't know any others, really. He's I'm perhaps sure he more is. famous for his shot put <laughs> skills. And, not, not these days. Not these days. He's not a budgie-lover. So no, he is. Very... No, he's a budgie-lover. Better than a budgie-smuggler. Um, Maybe so the adverts, the advert said this. Just remember what the advert said. It said skill, strategy, and timing, not just another joystick bash. Remember that? That's what it said. I remember those words. Yeah. And the opening training for this game has you waggling to bend bars. So I'm thinking somebody forgot to tell the developers or marketing or somebody, communication <laughs> broke down somewhere. Someone said, marketing said, oh, it's going to be all skill, in it? And the coders went, yeah, yeah, of course it is. And they went, how are we going to do this? Oh, put waggle in it and don't tell them. To be fair, they're not going to argue with him, are Because he could just bend them around his neck like he does an iron bar. Well, I don't think Jeff was part of the marketing team. I don't think he had look, very look, little to do Judging by that so- image, that he never made an appearance <laughs> at that office. No, probably not. Probably it just, not. It just shot-putted them out of the room. <laughs> While stroking a budgie. (laughs) He just wears them on his shoulder like pirates, like a pirate. (laughs) 
Long John, Long John, Long Jeff, Long Jeff Silver, Long Jeff Silver, yeah, with his with his budges, the strong budges. Anyway, that's that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> anyway, so, very strong. So yeah, so what is Jeff Cape Strongman Challenge? And I'm going to be honest here, I couldn't get further than the uh, tug of war, which is about two. There are four. There are six. Six. Uh, anyway, it's nonsense. That's what this is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just to uh, cut to the chase. The, so Jeff Cape Strongman Challenge, as you see, yeah, you play Jeff Capes and you're supposed to be the strongest man in Britain and you're supposed to do all these heroic strongman challenges, except at the faintest breath of wind or you run out a bit of breath, you faint every time. This is the faintest yep. game I've ever played. Very I fainted faint. more in this. I've never fainted in real life, not ever, not once. And I've done some strenuous stuff, not probably as strenuous as lifting barrels and throwing them like a, a bullet um, <laughs> into the back of a into the back of an open van. But I've done strenuous stuff, and I've never fainted. In this, however, you faint a lot. Strange. I never. I've never seen Jeff Capes faint. You ever no, seen him faint? Well, no, but you'd feel him faint because when he hits the ground, it, it's like in that Jurassic Park. All the grasses in the, in the room just shaking. I imagine it's, like it's a... more like um, uh, uh, Jason and the Argonauts when the big iron iron giant falls over and they pull yeah, its yeah. ankle. Absolutely, they pull yeah. its ankle ankle plug. Yeah, because that's yeah. Achilles, Achilles' heel, just. Uh... Or as I call it, ankle plug. <laughs> <laughs> that more well-known term from Greek myth. <laughs> Quick, Jason, hit his ankle plug. Get his ankle plug. It is, though. It is an ankle plug. And liquid comes out, but anyway, that's it. Exactly. A, you can tell, another, the, you can tell this game was crap. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone to Jason the Argonauts We've actually avoided, avoided talking about the game in any great detail. Well, yeah, so the first... Okay, so... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird one because we've had hypersports and we've had summer games too and we've had winter games. So we've had multi-game, uh, multi-event sports games already. You know, we can see that they can be done and they can be done well on the Commodore 64. They've done very well. This didn't seem to take many lessons from those games. Um, so... The opening to this is quite strange. The, the button prompts are on. on the, they don't seem to do what you tell it to do. It says F1 to start, and you have to press F3, which is strange. Um, Very odd. Once you get into it, the first the first bit sees you building up your is it your your fortitude, your strength, your endurance, your stamina, yeah. something or other. Yeah, yeah. By bend, bending a series of bars, by you've got to pull it down to pick up the bar, push it up to stand up, and then waggle like hell to bend the bar. Repeat. See how many bend, bars you can bend in 20 seconds. That gives you strength for the rest of the uh, events. Once you've done that, you go on to the first event, which is barrel barrel pick up and walk with. What's the term? The barrel carrying, barrel lifting. Barrel, barrel lifting, barrel, I guess. it's the Barrel lifting. Um, so this is Jeff at the top of a set of stairs. He has to walk slowly. Well, he doesn't walk slowly down them. Did you actually put your um, your strength right to the top? Because then it becomes ultimately unplayable because it becomes like um, schizophrenia because you can't get down the stairs. No, I spread it around my various <laughs> muscles because you can select your muscles to... No, not that bit. Not that bit. The bit where you where you where uh, you say you put your endurance or your strength or something and you, you press F, F5 or F7 to move the... So it moves it either faster or slower. If you put that full at the start of the event... He sprints like a madman and then just collapses at the top of each stair. You can never get down the stairs. No, I, yeah, I didn't do that. We should do it because it makes the game unplayable, which is probably for the best, I don't want to do that. No, never play the game again. Um, so, yes, you have to then walk to the edge of the stairs, press down to go down each step, walk a bit further down, walk down, pick the barrel up, waggle to pick it up, turn round, and then you walk back, holding the barrel back. Thing. You've got to get two within a minute. 
back to the back to the truck. Did you know the, he when it, it seems a real struggle to carry them? But boy, can he throw them! He fires them like bullets. I feel like you really got into this because I was so horrified <laughs> by how. No, it's not that I don't remember. It was crap, so I didn't play well, it for very long. I, I I put myself down to be the the primary reviewer for this, so I felt it was my duty, um, nay my you know my no, my duty, yeah, um, to actually review it and and say if it was any good so you get back you do two of them so far so good the next one you go into is the tug of war um which is i couldn't understand i didn't know what i was doing you have to apply strength to different muscles because that's the other thing when you've built up your strength from bending the bars you've got six fleshy parts six fleshy icons to put some strength into so you've got your biceps um you've got your your chest your forearms biceps shoulders thighs and calves and you can put you know how much Endurance you have, you spread it across those six. Eight muscles groups, there was. Well, there's only six. There's eight. There's four across the bottom and two at the top. There's eight. What are the other two, then? You don't want to know what the other two are. <laughs> there's six. There's eight. I'm t- anyway, whatever. There's, <laughs> there's muscle groups to spread spread endurance into, like butter. Don't spread it too thin or it'll just melt away and you'll faint. Um and that's this game. It, it's incomprehensible. They've gone for some kind of weird tactical, you know, the bill, skill, strategy, timing, but it's built around this waggle nonsense. None of it's very good. It's all a bit hit and miss. It's just a bit of a mess. The the graphics are blocky. Uh, Jeff is he's okay. He's not terribly animated, but he's a he's a blocky old representation of Jeff. Um, the backgrounds are awful um, from every angle. The music which could be a saving grace because it's by Mr. Hubbard, is uh, quite disastrous. It's a terrible, terrible series of uh, tunes um, that don't that just annoy you after a while. Yeah, this was bad. It's incomprehensible. I kept fainting. I shouldn't be fainting when I'm Jeff Capes. It's, I don't know, you know, it was boring and baffling and, and what was I supposed to do? I couldn't figure out the, the tug of war, so I couldn't get any further. Um, and you know, I wanted to do the Kyber Toss, and I wanted to do those other events, but wasn't to be. I'm afraid. I, I, I'm guessing from your your comments that you probably didn't get on with it either. It was rubbish. Just <laughs> bloody rubbish. Um, uh, there, I think there is six muscle groups. I'm not sure if there's. I, I, I read that there was eight, but it looks like there's six on the screen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make a difference really. The, the idea of assigning the various things, your skills to these muscles, and then they flash. I don't. I just didn't get it. Um, I couldn't. I, I was so horrified by this awful music that arrived throughout the game, um, <laughs> yeah. and it, I was already on the back foot because I remembered the advert. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'll try and give it a shot. Multi-screen sort of sports game. Okay, I'll go for it. It's not though, is it? It's none of those things. It's just rubbish. Blocky, horrible graphics. In fact, I described it as blocky, unimpressive, and slow, which you could possibly describe Jeff Capes as as well, but maybe not the blocky <laughs> part. Um, it was just cumbersome. A cumbersome game that shouldn't have been. You know, there's enough. I think there's enough strongman events out there in the world to be able to make something of this. I just don't know why they made it like this. I I actually made a note that Jeff Capes must have been angry about this game because it's not very good. So it was just, I, no. I found it, I, I gradually became more and more unplayable. I, I tried, I tried and tried with it. And, and I don't know, I found it a little bit twitchy. I don't know if that was the emulator I was using, but I found it a little bit twitchy as well. So when you, that start title screen comes on, it was borderline. It was like some guessing game as to how you started it. I think it kept, <laughs> kept telling me I was going from training mode to some other kind of mode to secret mode. There was, did you see the secret mode? I think I did. It did flash up at one point, so, but it was gone. I don't know what it too, meant. Too, it was too secret. Well, it, it actually does all the training for you, I think. And so you can just then assign the various, whatever it decides. Because when I went into secret mode, I kind of 
volume meter kind of went up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And then it just said, right, now assign things to muscles, which I did. I'd, it was just a mess of a game. It got 33% in, in Zap. And I think that's mm-hmm. actually being yes. pretty generous because this, when you're in a world of Summer Games 2, Winter Games and stuff like that, this is shocking. This is terrible. You can't, I mean, Hypersports is better than this and it's not much for off the price. Um, let alone any of the other games, and they they came out before all this. So mm. you know, if you have if you're a game designer and you've been asked to make a strongman game about Jeff Capes, a be careful because the guy could kill you with a power budgie. But <laughs> spa, power from budgie, just, yeah, because that's a special move. Yeah, power, you don't want to know what he does with that. Um, but more, <laughs> more importantly, um, you would just look to the sports games, wouldn't you, that are out there, the genus of sports games that are out there. And you would use them as the basis for your sports game. Um, and then you would take that as the sort of benchmark for where you're going to aim your game. So we're going to have to make it at least as good as those games. Or the, or the, you know, it's going to be both for nothing. And then they ended up with that monstrosity. And then even Rob Hubbard can save it. And he normally can. But even by his standards, that music's horrid. It's, so, it's awful, isn't it? It's bad, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the worst. I think it's the worst... Jeff, worst Jeff Capes music. It is the worst Jeff Capes music, but it's the worst Rob Hubbard piece of music I think I've, <laughs> I've heard. Certainly in a long time. Tragic, really. But um, I think yeah, they, well, I think they've Jerry, angered him. Jerry the Germ music wasn't that great either. You know, but it, it's passable and it's kind of it's twee and annoying. But this is just you know it was weird versions of I'm a lumberjack and really bizarre oh, yeah. and, and just Ugh. horrible. It's nasty uh, in a nasty game. So I think eight ninety five. Is a complete ripoff for this. It was it. Who's it made this? Was it Martech? It was, yeah. And, and you know, Martech had just released Zoids and Crazy mm-hmm. Comets, so you know, some quality software had come out of them. And then they, I don't know. Well, they decided they... to anger a giant. Is what they tried to do. And it's <laughs> very dangerous game. And then unless they've got uh, some kind of power slings, they need to be careful. Is it? He'll turn up and just trash the place. He's, you know, he's like a Hulk. It's a Hulk uh, yeah. of a man. I've, I, in my head, I, in my head, I have him turning up with uh, like animated budgies on his shoulders, like a Disney princess, but a lot hairier. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I imagine him frisbeeing data set records, C sixty four recorders at their faces from about two miles away, and being very accurate, like a discus, like a discus thrower. So anyway, that's just my wild imagination, I guess. So no, not for me. I wouldn't recommend anyone attempts this. If you want to play a sports game, you know exactly what games we're going to recommend for that at the moment. So why bother with this rubbish? Yeah, absolutely. You've got the two from Epics and you've got Hypersports. Go play them instead. Yeah, it's and not Hypersports, even multiplayer, is it? This. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, wish this on my best friend. Well, so, we, you can't because that would be Jeff you know. Capes and that would be the apostrophe would need to be in there, wouldn't it? It would be <laughs> the capes it, 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 exactly. Jeff capes. So there'd be multiple, multiple Jeff Capes, capes. <laughs> like we had with the golfing game where there was multiple Nick, Nick Faldos. Faldos. This oh, would that be, would be a... good though. Well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose you'd, you'd, you'd tell them by uh, they'd have different coloured beards. Well, it would just be. Wouldn't it have just been simple to add other strong men in the game? You don't have to play as those strong men, but there are many other famous strong men out there, especially around that time. That there was could that, you, that Finnish guy, was that Icelandic guy, that Icelandic giant guy? Yeah, I well, they're, they're always Icelandic giants. I mean, that guy from Game of Thrones is an Icelandic giant, isn't he? Is that whatever no, his name true, is? Yeah, there's loads of them in Troll on her. Yes, yeah, they're all mass, they're all big well, that's dudes. Norwegian, but even so, big Nordic dudes, but. Um, they could have just put that in, couldn't they? And so at least you felt you actually yeah. were playing a competition against another strongman. It's just it's just Jeff Capes being strong, really. That's what this game should be called. Jeff Capes Except being he's strong. He's not very strong. You know, no, he's, he faints a lot, right? He, he faints too much. Imagine saying this to So Jeff's playing this. He comes along to play this and he's like trying to go and suddenly he faints. I'm like, I've, why have I fainted? And I've never fainted. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not I, ever. I don't faint going up the stairs. At least <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Why's my, why's my endurance? <laughs> I mean, I, I can. You know, I can go up and downstairs all day. It's you know, I, I, my house isn't a bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> my, bud, my budgies are in the attic. I have to go upstairs every day. <laughs> yeah, 
He's anyway. We're debating it really, and it shouldn't be Jeff Cape's strongman challenge, should it? It should be Jeff Cape's make it make it to who he doesn't faint. So you know the collapse. The, the, don't Jeff Cape's don't make him. I don't know how you'd word it. Don't. Jeff Jeff Cape's is asthmatic. <laughs> it's just asthmatic championship. Anyway, I think we've given this far too much time for a game of this. I think so as well. And Quality. I think we've given it a lot of time. It's just to give you a heads up, heads up listeners. There's not much in this issue as that. <laughs> it is a bit of an empty issue. It's the it, emptiest it re- issue ever. It is. There's 12 games. <laughs> so we've got, we've only got six. And there's six in the next episode. So, yeah. well, you know, heads up. There you go. That's what we, we review what they put in front of us. Bad or yes. good. There so, are only 12 games this month. Yeah. Um, that zap was proper filler. Yes. Um, poly, poly filler. It yes. really was. Um, yeah. Um, there you go. So Jeff Cape Strongman Challenge is, uh, you know, a budgie smuggle too far. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's let's. I keep saying that. It's my catchphrase for the end of a end of an ep- end of a review. So let's move on. Let's move it. Swift moving swiftly on. Yes. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> to our next game. Thank God. And this is really good. Uh, yes, Graham. Tell us about Alter Ego. So this is a clever game. Alter Ego, um, and it's funny because it's got a little bit of legendary status as well. So I'm just going to roll the clock back a little bit because um, I've only up to this point and up till fairly recently, I'd only encountered one version of this game, and there's actually two. So that's quite interesting. And, I'm, and I'll, let's just sort of roll back the clock. And so, what is Alter Ego? It's essentially a. Um, it's a. Uh, I can't think of the word. The life simulator. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a life simulator or it's a role-playing game, maybe of a, of a sort. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, but it's based very much on a cycle on a psychological profile, and in actuality, you can actually play through an entire lifetime. So, the way the game works is that you um, you are, you can either play as a man or a woman or a male female, and they're two. I don't know if they were two separate purchases. I think they were, but they're two separate games, and they work in the same way. So, you can either choose a character and choose the statistics for that character at the beginning or randomly choose them so the computer just generates a character for you and it gives you things like um the statistics that uh, as a player you have so an intelligence score um a range of different things around that um so uh, confidence expressiveness all of these kind of factors have a like a percentage score weighting out of 100 and that very much dictates the kind of character you are in the game and that alter ego characteristics that you have dictates the things you can or can't do throughout the game because if for example um you are not a very um sneaky person then you can't do sneaky things when those things up and the way the game actually works is it it's a, it's like a icon driven game so the, it's basically text and icons so once you either choose the character created for you or you can answer a series of some sort of psychological questions kind of true false and if you was in this situation, would you do this or would you do that kind of questions? And you get about, I think, about 20 of those. And that then formulates your character. So, again, you've got the once you've got all those statistics, the happiness, the gentleness, the, the, all of those kind of things, you're then presented with the screen of icons. And each one of those icons represents sort of different aspects of the things you can do. So some of them are um, little scenarios that play out around friendship and around um, life choices and around love and around happiness and around difficulty um the get eventually you're, you're sort of playing through the life of this person this alter ego and so you go through that you can sort of choose you can choose the stage of life you start at so you can actually start as a literal infant a newborn essentially obviously your choices life choices are pretty limited at that point but you can gradually work up build up more intelligence build up through life and you can go right the way through the stages all the way through life till death so you can mm-hmm. play this game from life to death in sort of one big sitting and the way it works is 
the icons are on the screen in kind of a um, a sort of a timeline almost approach. The sort of top top to bottom timeline that scrolls up and down as you move your joystick around to select the different icons, and they present different scenarios, different things that happen, events can happen in the game that you need to respond to in certain ways. And you can choose sort of good responsive, bad responsive, neutral responsive, but your responses have an impact throughout the rest of the game. So if you choose something at the beginning that that has a, a negative or positive impact on your personality type, that affects how you choose things later. So it will come back. So you can't, you can go through this game and arbitrarily just pick things, but eventually certain things that would have been open to you later will not be because you weren't the kind mm-hmm. of person that could do that. So it's psychologically very clever, very, very interesting. I don't, I think it was the brainchild of one sort of psychologist, um, a Peter Favaro or Favaro, I think. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're simulating this life of this person from start to finish. You earn money, you can get a job, you can get married, you could have relationships, they can fall apart, you can have breakdowns. Um, and I don't mean vehicle breakdowns, although you can have those, but you can also have psychological breakdowns. Things happen in there, trauma. Um, I was playing it at one point and my um, partner in there was killed in a road accident. Um, and a friend of mine had had an affair. And it, it was an, it's genuinely presenting you with some really interesting things. And you have to sort of play through. And the compelling part for this comes when as you're playing through these things and as you're making decisions, it's such a gentle game on the brain and eye in the visual respect that it really gets you reading and thinking about the scenarios and what you might do. Um, because obviously, um, and it gets, you know, there's even um, sections in it that come up with like a mini warning saying this contains graphic sexual content and and there's obviously it discusses difficult scenarios and um, sex and love and uh, all sorts of things. I, when I played as the female in the female version, I had to go for a gynecological examination mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a completely unique experience, I think, this. I don't know if you can really call it a game because it's, I don't, there is, I don't know if it's, it's a, there's not a gaminess part to it. I suppose it is a game in the sense that you load it like a game. But I did get the feeling I was playing a game. It really felt like I was participating in a life. Um, and it was so interesting and so compelling. And, and there's so much data in this game on, on the, I think it's five or six discs, I think it is in in the, so it must have been at least three discs double-sided or something like that when you yeah, purchased it. Is, yeah, it. yeah. Um, and there's so much content in this game from all those scenarios and all the text and all the description, all the choices and all the logic that goes behind that. Um, I found it genuinely an amazing experience. Um, I think it's quite possibly one of the greatest games on the C64. One of the greatest, not necessarily the greatest, but it's certainly in that upper echelon of, of completely unique experiences that are not, and other things really been, there was nothing else like it. Nothing else like it on any other platform. I don't know if this came out on other platforms or originated on maybe them, and it might have gone to other platforms in the end. But this kind of character building, role-playing mentality, it's it harks back to a sort of an ad, an adventure style game in that it's kind of almost like a text-based adventure with the looks sort of iconic graphics and things in it. And there's that kind of design to it. But the reality is this is head and shoulders above something like that because it plays out those life experiences. There's a real um, empathy that you can get in this game and a real, there's real, you start to really feel for the character that you're, you're you feel for your alter ego. Mm-hmm. And I found it amazing. Um, I, in a sea of games that we've got this month, this is by and far a true standout piece of, of game design and game engineering. I found it, I mean, considering it's so basic in the way it looks, it t- totally doesn't rely on that. Um, and I found it amazing. So I played a little bit of, I played more of the female version than I did the male version because I'd played the male version previously. It works the same, same logic and same look and feel. In fact, colour changes slightly, but the actual decisions and the questions you get asked are different and the scenario is mm-hmm. completely different. Amazing. I absolutely found it amazing. And even now to play it 
to this day, I think it's it's truly one of the greats. It really is a powerfully interesting game. So that was my take on it. But did you find your alter ego was something of interest? Yeah, I've always liked this game. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. I've played it years and years ago because it's disc only. It never came to cassette, so I it think wouldn't work I put, on cassette. I don't think. No, it wouldn't because of the random access nature of getting mm. all that data and the scenarios that play out. You can see the disc wearing away, picking it out. It would never work on cassette, not ever. Um, and yes, it's it's genuinely you know uh, an individual piece of software that is unlike anything else. This kind of builds, you know, give credit to Activision. Activision had done little computer people, which. Are, it's not the same, but it's in that same kind of experiential ballpark thing. You know, it's, it's not a game so much as it's something, here you go, something to play with or something to sort of do that's different to just shooting stuff and whatever. So fair play to Activision at this point for doing this really kind of brave and different kind of experience. And, and yeah, I, I agree. It's like, it, you know, is it a game? I'm not sure, but does it really matter? Probably not. Um, it's... For, for those who don't know, it, it, it feels, I would say it's more like a, um, a twine game in a lot of ways. Um, modern, tw- sort of, you know, modern the twine engine for anyone who's f- uh, familiar with that, where you type in choices and you click on them and it, it does that. So this is a similar thing to that. Um, I played f- through a full, uh, a full female life. I'd never played the female version, so I was going to do that. I played the male version a few times, so I, I played through a full through uh, a full female life from birth to death, um, and generally found it utterly compelling. It was, it was a one sitting thing. It took about four or four or five hours, and I, I just went through the whole thing, and, and I just was enthralled all the way through the, the the situations the scenarios that it threw up the way it changes it's so subtle as well in what it changes and what it throws at you um and the things that you can do it's not there are some issues when you do play it through there are some logical things that kind of play up against different things considering if you get married then sometimes in the scenarios it doesn't take familiar it doesn't sort of recognize that so there are some limitations but you know that those are few and far between um I mean, for myself, um, you know, I started off as a as an infant. You, you know, I came out came out nicely, and I, and I decided, you know, what, I'm going to play a nice life. And I was a a, a, a bookish, hardworking woman who went through a life. I worked, I bought a house, and I got a bigger house. I did buy myself a kick-ass stereo. I was quite withdrawn and, and but you know, reliable. Um, I got stood up at the altar the um, first time I tried to get married um, by some guy who decided he wanted to stay home, watch TV, and eat ribs. And that was that. That was the end of that relationship. Um, I then got married on my second attempt. Uh, we tried to have kids, but it never happened. And then uh, the menopause, I got to the menopause, so we couldn't have kids. Um, I, I was a bit adventurous at this point. I had a one-night stand with a young young man um, when I was in my 50s. Why not? I not had many good times time I was younger. Not for you, is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm not 50. Um, uh, that wasn't what I, wrote... I was talking about. <laughs> um, I wrote a book. I saved a boy's life from a hit and run. And an iron fell on me when I was a kid and burnt me. Um, and then it's it's genuinely quite involving the, the way that yeah, the the, the situations evolve over time. And and this is because it's split into seven parts. In it? it's adolescence, yeah. Um, being you know being a toddler up to up to about high school. Then there's high school period. Then there's a young adult. Um, Middle adult, old adult, and then old age. Or the seven, I can't remember the titles from. But yeah, as is. they go through the the options and the choices that are presented to you, the things that happen and the way that um, you know the, the the different things that can happen. There's, there's one point, and the, the last section, the old age section, is genuinely one of the most moving things and saddest things I've ever it played. Is. It is really because good. Your icons become nothing but health. Yeah. Um, because your body is deteriorating. So you, you, when you're younger, because when, you, when you're at school, 
Or when you're a, a sort of an adolescent, not adolescent, a young teenager, all the icons are social, love, yeah, friends. And it's all that. Yeah. Fam- yeah. Your family's not, your family has sort of overrun the early years, but suddenly it's all friends, social. It's very clever the way it just sort of, this is where you're, this is where people's lives are in these points and what their main interests and focuses are. And that's beautifully done because then by the end, those start to drip away. And even as you get into your 40s and 50s in this game, those opportunities to have, um, you know, go out, see your friends, they become fewer and fewer and fewer and far between because it's a representation. That's, you know, we're, we're both approaching 50. That's kind of what happens. And it's, it's, it's strange playing it now than playing it when I played it, you know, 20, 30 years ago is a very different experience because I'm a very different person and I've had very different experiences. So I can not relate to everything that happened, but I can relate to that journey that this game is actually taking you on. And the guy who wrote it, yeah, I think he's a, he's a psych- psychiatrist and a psychologist. Um, and he is indeed. <laughs> and it, is, it is obvious at one point because I think at one point, um, I think it was the, when I hit the menopause, um, it said, oh, do you want to seek help and some counselling? I said, yes. Uh, and what type of thing? I said, oh, I'll go for a psychologist. And it went, that's a very good choice. Psychologists can help a lot. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're not going to say the can, are you? You are a psychologist. Um, but I, I found that whole thing. And then by the time, like I said, by the time you get to your 50s and into your 60s and you get to that last section, I, there was one point where it said, "Oh, do you, you, what will you do today? You wake up and you, you you're not got much on." And you, you said, "I asked you what day it is. Did you get this one? I don't know if you got it." It says, "What day? Did, what day is it?" And it says, uh, "Monday, Wednesday, or Sunday." So you got to click one, and then you're like, "Oh, you're not showing it. Let's look at the paper. Oh, it's Friday, and it's like, oh, where are the days going?" And it was <laughs> a weird like thing. And then the next one was, "Do you want to ring an old friend and maybe go for a drink?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do that." So I rang him up, and a strange voice answered. And I asked to see this person. They were like, "No, they died four years ago." And this, and they were like, "Oh crap! This is get, this is really horrible." Yeah, it, a, get, it a, does get quite sad later, yeah. doesn't and it? And then, the, and then throughout it, you're presented with these icons because that's all you know. There's a series of icons. You've got a heart. There's. I always thought the um, the family one looks like um, a woman in a packet of cigarettes, um, but uh, I'm not quite sure. Then the, the, so there's that, but that that last icon is that is everything just. It disappears. You get less and less chances. The last icon is essentially a sunset, and it's all you've got left to choose. Oh, how awesome is that? that? And you pick that one, and then you die, and then it says this can go on forever. Ask you to load this one, and you're back at being a fetus, and it just loops around. So that's there's right. A, you know, there's, a, there's a theme to this. There's a belief. You know, this is a is this a sort of thing about reincarnation? And we go on, and we just come back, and we try something else. And there's there's depth to this. This is actually about something. There's so many games that just, especially around now, the 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 joystick blasters, the shooters, they're they're not really about things. This is a 1986 game that is about life itself and death and relationships and being there. And you can. There's one point, and I have played this in the past, where I died at the age of six because I got kidnapped by a, a child mm, killer. Yeah, I drank it's bleach. Bru- brutal. I drank bleach. Oh, drank bleach. What, I drank bleach and got killed at about age four when I was playing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just because it's like that's that can happen. That can happen yep. in life. There you go. Tough. You're dead. Well done. Um, uh, yeah, there's nothing like this. It's um, it's out. You can get it in numerous places. I probably get this on the internet now. I know there's a version on iOS, which is pretty good. Uh, iOS and Android, which I've got, which is pretty good. Um, I can't recommend this enough. It's an amazing experience and fully deserving of its 98%. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, I sat there for five hours today and I was like, I really should be doing some work. It's quite mesmerising, but... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> should be doing my job. <laughs> but you but know what? No one was emailing me. <laughs> it is mesmerising, though. Um, yeah, it um, is. It truly is. It's so simple. It's so, so simple. Yeah. But like you said, the the depth. And the I think the other thing I like about this is the writing is genuinely... Isn't it clever? It's clever. It's it's short. It's terse. It's on the money. Yeah. Um. And it's funny. At, in times, it's at times it is really funny. Um, yes. Yeah. It and, is. Other t- uh, uh, and other times, it's quite bleak. This is a good balance with the writing between those things. Actually, it never yeah. it never feels corny. I think that's really important. No. Never. Yeah. I mean, there are there are certain issues. With, there, there are bits if you do the mind, uh, the, the intelligence stuff in your teens. It asks you loads of weird questions. Um, I, I, was, I was straight to Google saying, <laughs> who's the father of modern chemistry? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there are some quite qu- <laughs> difficult weird quiz questions, questions that, there, yeah. Yeah, which just seem out of place, but, you know, you're supposed to be at school, so you're supposed to know stuff, but it is what it is. That Those kind of stick out a little bit. And like I said, there are some anomalies um, with it. Money seems like a... Uh, it's not really incorporated very well. I got a job and was just a bookkeeper for my entire life. I thought that. It's, it's like it doesn't really factor into it a lot, does it? Because you do have acquisitions, no. so it does list your acquisitions, like speedboat, watch, car, yeah. house, that I never, kind of thing. I never bought a car, but in quite a number of situations, it said you're driving your car. And so that's what I mean. There are some... It's, it's like there's those things around the periphery. The mm. main meat of this really should have just been that middle, that middle track. I find the bits on the edge. And it, if it had been like... You know, you you meet someone naturally within one of those one of those things like because that icon. I'll go meet someone. Oh, and then you're dating, and then go steady. They seem like arbitrary things which should happen within the flow of life, rather than oh, I'm going to choose to do that now. Yeah, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So so, so, so those seem a bit odd and and at odds. A bit forced, when, when, maybe, but yeah, because they're not choices you do make. You don't choose when you're going to meet someone. Well, no, but you um, you do choose whether you're going to have that in your life, though. That is a conscious choice. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and that should happen in, in a natural course of things that could be something that just pops up you choose a love icon you choose a love icon or thing and, and it would be like oh you so you, you're out with your friends and you meet someone and that would have been a more natural way of incorporating here it's just press an icon it says meet someone all right who do you want to meet josh okay you're going out with josh yeah and that's, yeah, a, bit, that's know, a bit weird it is a bit odd i suppose there's no because otherwise you could end up in a quasi dating app situation couldn't you where the game just revolved around dating people and it would it would have Falling into the kind of odd territory. I think they just, it sort of jump. I think what it is, is it's a bit like, um, it's jumping a six levels in a game, isn't it? So it's just expediating things a bit, I suppose, for the sake of the wider length of life. Yeah, I guess. But but it's a shortcut, is what I'm looking for, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess it is. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't undercut really the the strength and the the quality of this, which is. A A1. one. Yeah. I can't. I can't say enough good stuff about this. It, it, it is a. If we have a, a list of games to go play from the Commodore sixty fours years, then this should be one of them. Oh, definitely, um, just, definitely. Just if you- even if you just experience it once, it's you know it's it's if you strip out. We said this about Mass Effect a lot of the time, but if you just strip out all the conversations in Mass Effect and you just stretch that out to an entire life, that's kind of what this is. Yeah, you, yeah, you, it's not far off. Ex- except Commander Shepard would drink bleach. <laughs> <laughs> which, which would, well, do you know, you know what? It made me think though. If you were going to imagine what a modern version, I mean, a modern modern version of this would be like. So it would be Tinder profiles. Um, your oh, best awful. friends just got apart on Love Island. Um, no, and COVID, wouldn't it? So the whole game is you're, you're locked <laughs> oh, down, you can't meet, and you know. But you know what I mean. So it, it, what it represents is a kind of idealized version of the way life goes from A to B. Yeah, it presents difficult scenarios mm-hmm. that can occur, but there are real left wing, left wing, 
there are left field things that happen mm. that that uh, that aren't in there, and also I suspect a modern version would need to be a bit more LGBT friendly. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, but, that, said, you, it, but said, that said, it is kind of a you know it's at nineteen eighty six. We're here. But, well, that that's one of the things I did notice about that. I mean, yes, you can if you look at it through the lens of now. That is a glaringly obvious oversight that would be included in now. And yeah. you don't just have a female and a male version. You would have, you'd be well, able to just, choose your gender and yeah, exactly. identity, whatever you wanted to do. Be hard to be, add that. Yeah. No, no, probably not. Something, but considering it's another three discs back then. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the the thing is, what I did notice though, and what I felt like today was playing it. Although it's American, although it's kind of middle class middle America, I felt the situations, most of them, even though it's high school, even though. Uh, didn't feel alien to no, me. No, Who's a 50-year-old, no, nearly 50-year-old man in Northern England who has no connection to 1985 America, 1986 America. Yeah. But the situations that happen are kind of almost you know, very cleverly universal. And I think that's one of its strengths. That's yeah. its main strength, really. That you yeah. know, the, kid, the kid, like you said, the kid drinking bleach, that happens wherever, yeah. you know, sadly. Yeah. Uh, someone getting hit, someone getting knocked over with a hit and run. That just happens. Yeah. That's not a that's not a thing that's bespoke to there was very few things that were bespoke to 1985-86, you know, I don't know where this is set, America. Anyway, yeah. Brilliant. Go play. Yeah, brilliant, definitely. To go and experience it. And I think it was 1995 on disc when it came out, which is actually quite expensive, but you're getting a lot of game here, a lot well, a lot of program really. Mm. Um and so it's but it was definitely and in fact I had the male version of this for a long time and actually came off the back of a recommendation from somebody. It might have even been our friend Gary. I can't remember how I came to have it. Anyway, I ended up with it on disc. Um, and then it only years later, like I said, the female version would sort of appeared more when, you know, these images of games that are out there on the internet appeared for the C64. So I was able to enjoy both and just go experience them both is my message for this. Mm. It's just, just brilliant. Really brilliant. Yeah. Yes. In a sea of dross that we've got this uh, this month. This the words is a... really brilliant aren't going to come out of our mouths much more today. <laughs> That's for sure. That's not. <laughs> really brilliant. <laughs> you can just put that in wherever. Right, yeah. El Torigo, ace. Go play it. Play the next one though. Well, you could because <laughs> the next one's not. Oh, actually, that's a bit unfair. What we got next? Uh, our last game, this part, uh, is Captain Kid. Uh, this is a budget title, two pound ninety five. Um, and this is, well, let's put it out there. This is a cl- it's a clone of an old game called Grid Trap. Mm. Um, and when I say a clone, I, I do mean that it's a straight up rip off. I went and had a look at Grid Trap because it's not something I was aware of. I thought, well, is it just an old? And it's just, it's straight up the same. It's incredible. This is just. Grid Trap. So, um, Captain Kid, Grid Trap, whatever you want to call it, um, you play a head on a grid. Um, not to be confused with the uh, Cure Cure album, Head in the Door. Uh, you play a head on a grid. And upon this grid is a bomb, which you must get to to proceed to the next level. You do one on level one, there's two to get to a level two, and so on. Every time you move across the grid, uh, so it, the, the grid pieces are separated. When you move on to one, it disappears. And you can't move back across an empty space. So you kind of kind of got to plan your way to the bomb whilst not crossing over, obviously, empty spaces because you can't cross over them. You can alleviate this somewhat by holding down the fire button and sliding the row you're on left or right to allow you to get to places which you couldn't get to previously. That's quite a nice touch. Um, there are some flags on the grid to collect for extra score. There are skull and crossbones dotted around, which you need to avoid, otherwise you lose a life. And there are boots patrolling um, the grid, which will step, stomp, stomp on you. Um, and that's it, really. That's that's it. You've just got to get to the bomb, 
uh, and it'll say, woo, well done, level two. And you get two bombs. Woo, level three. Woo, level four. And off you go. But that's it. There's not much more to this. It, it belies the fact that this is a 1983 game, I think it is, um, for, for Grid Trap. This is old. So it does show in that. It is quite a nice... The original idea is actually quite nice, but this is just a blatant rip-off. They just go play Grid Trap. Um, it, the, way, the other thing that like, this kind of did remind me of a little bit, just in its presentation, but not in its thing, is uh, Pengu. Um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely peng, Pengo. There's Peng, Pengo, you mean? Pengo, yeah, the ping, Penguin one, where you, sh- you yeah, slide the blocks, and yeah. you, you slide the blocks, and you've got to do... So it's kind of that, it's kind of that, you know, Mr. Do, Dig Dug, that... that kind yeah. of look single screen grid type you know moving on a grid of all that stuff and I, I can't you know the weird thing was was the music mm-hmm. um so it's a version of i think is it the entertainer it is it is the entertainer so i was correcting that but if you press f5 it changes the style of it yeah weird because it just says oh change music on the menu so it's all right see what other ones are. no no no. it's always the entertainer just played in different styles mm. a bizarre thing it's, why would why would you why i don't why would you do that um, I can't. I can only recommend go play Grid Trap because this is exactly the same. I mean, to a point where the visuals are pretty much. There's not even an attempt to reskin it, um, which you know you could have taken this and you know two years later looked at Grid Trap and go, actually that's quite a good concept. I like the concept. What can I do? Mm. No, actually I'll just I'll just redo it and call it Captain Kid. Mm. Seems odd. It seems a weird thing, and then just release it. I don't know when this was made. Whether this is old as well, but it's an okay concept. But it's Grid Trap, so go play Grid Trap. What did you think? I, yeah, it's arcade in tone, but not in play. Um, like you say, it's it's just I, I felt the same as I did when we played Comic Bakery. Feels like a, probably a good idea for a game, but about three years ago in in the eight in terms of the eighties. So it just felt out, out of out of place. Yeah. Graphics look kind of out of place. The sounds kind of out of place. The mentality of the game is out of place. Coming from playing five hours of Alter Ego, and then coming from that to diving into Captain Kid, <laughs> I was I was ready for a sort of a quick get in and out arcade type game it's quite hard it inherits all all the things about arcade games but it's just the, the one thing it inherited from the arcade game uh from the actually, arcade uh, sorry to, to be fair I, i'm not actually sure if it is an arcade game no i say from the arcade-ish mentality of it's, its yeah. creation is it's it's got that not just difficulty that's kind of difficult okay but it's just repetitive and those games are by the nature of them you know it's 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 they just mm. look the ante on things so it just i think it was 295 i think they were a bit mean to it i think it, i would put it higher than 32 percent myself i think so as well yeah but the music is repetitive and annoying after a very short space time and whichever version you listen to and it for me it just it was probably fun two years before it came out play the original version if you're going to play it if, because this is the same I, I i like you i didn't see a big i didn't see any difference really it was just felt like the same game with a different name so yeah. I'm not sure what that's all about. There's probably a big story behind all of it. I suspect there's more to it than meets the eye here. Um, Maybe. But it's all right. I just think there's better games with better graphics and more interesting stuff going on in 1986 in May. Well, in that it coming up anyway. So this looks very old and out of date. Even when it, as soon as you load it up, you're like, yeah, this just feels a bit bit old. It's an old arcade. Uh, that's the problem with it. It's because... Because I mean, looking at the review in Zap, it does say it's an arcade game, but I couldn't I couldn't find any re- I could only find references to a C sixty four version, so I don't know. Um, the the problem with it was, it, like I said, if they'd have taken like the first screen, it'd have been the same. But then you know you've got elements here, and then mixed them up. You need to mix up those mechanics, not yeah. just do extra bombs to collect. Yeah, and and having to slide the grid along more because that's an interesting mechanic. There's stuff to do there. There's things you could do around this thing but it's not doing anything with it it's not adding anything to the game that already exists so no. i think that's why they were harsh on it because mm. it's just a, a, a an utter straight knockoff and that's 
you know, you can't you, you can't praise that in any way, really. No. Especially not when it doesn't look actually much better than the game that came out three years previous. No. 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 So, I don't know. Go play Grid Trap, I guess. It's all right. But Captain Kid, same game. Yeah. What do you want to say? Uh, no more. Let's say no more. We've talked plenty there on, on, on those games. Let's move on. Let's move on. That's the end of the games for part one. Jeff Cape's budgie smuggling challenge, uh, <laughs> Alter Ego, and Captain Kid. So let's move on. We'll be back in a moment um, after this short break where we'll be back with music for May 1986. So stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, com, where you'll find books and audiobooks that are as cheap as lovely, lovely chips. Dave's next book, Escape from the Commodore 64, sees someone trapped inside their bread bin. They have to complete one of the games they're stuck in to escape. Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game for real, having to rescue the princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. Probably better than finding yourself with dodgy collision detection, bouncing around with a name that sounds like sound effects from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Book, ebook, and audiobook are coming soon. Visit davidhernwriter.com. That's David. H-E-A-R-N-E writer.com to find out more. Welcome back. That was the games, the first part. Now let's move on to music in May 1986. So let's start, as always, with our look at the number one singles that was going on through the month of May. Uh, on the 4th of May, uh, Falco, Rock Me Amadeus, was number one. Did we mention that last time? We did, was yes. That, it, was that number well, one his time? album was out. It was in the albums last time, so it was uh, Falco oh, was 3, it? remember? So we were debating oh, yeah. what happened to Falco 1 and 2. Yeah, so. the, uh, probably lesser experiments. Probably wore a cape and got sucked into a, <laughs> sucked into a plane sucked engine. Sucked into a vortex. No capes. <laughs> exactly. No Jeff capes. <laughs> Falco 3. <laughs> well, it's, it's like multiple Falcos, like Nick Faldos. Yes, it Nick is. Falco, Nick Falcos. <laughs> Nick Falco. Yes, they amalgamated the two into one being. <laughs> Falco 1, meet Falco 2. No, all. don't touch each other. No! Oh, there'll be a Falconic <laughs> explosion now. <laughs> time, time Falcop. <laughs> oh, no. Um, anyway, that's Falco. 11th of May. Uh, and the rest of the month, uh, the number one track was the Chicken Song. Chicken Song from Spitting Image. It requires some explanation, the Chicken Song, doesn't it? Because it was weird. Go on, I'll leave it to you. So, <laughs> Spitting Image is a, a satire show, puppet-based satire show that was on British TV. It's actually come back now, but back then it was a very popular British sat- satire show. Lots of upcoming comedians wrote for it. Lots of um, comedians were doing impressions fit the puppets. The puppets were kind of looking like the political socio-political pop star figures, people involved in that kind of thing at the time, and they were just in silly situations. Anyway, they used to do sort of song parodies in the show, um, and at that particular time, there was this penchant for people to go on holiday from the UK to Spain, and they would hear holiday songs, holiday hit songs. And to give you an example of one of those, one of those was, in fact, Agadoo. So Agadoo was the song by Black Lace. In fact, Black Lace had a number of hits like this and still do. So I am the music man, Superman, and Agadoo. Written by somebody who lived in Cleethorpes, by the way, but let's not even go down that road. Aga Lo- don't. Aga don't. Long story short, this bit in image, the chicken song, was a as a Mickey take of that kind of song. So where people go abroad, they hear a song when they're all a bit 
tipsy on the old dance floor at the Spanish resort or wherever it might be resort. Famously, it was kind of that, they'd bring them back and they'd want to buy them, they'd buy the single. So it would never, inevitably during that summer period, sometimes these songs would just appear at number one. And I don't doubt that as we head towards the <laughs> summer months, this is probably going to happen. Anyway, Spitted Image took it upon themselves to do a pastiche of that and called it the Chicken Song, written in that kind of jaunty sort of holiday song way and with really stupid lyrics that make no sense whatsoever. But that was the whole, whole point. And then in an ironic twist, everybody who saw that, saw the Spitting Image presentation on the TV show, then wanted to buy the single. So <laughs> they just thought, right, you know what? Fine, we'll release it as a single. And they did. And it went to number one, which was something that I don't think they even considered that it would be required them to do a top of the pops appearance but it did yeah so because i think it just appeared at the end of one of the episodes didn't it, is, it? Yeah, it was, yeah, just, it was yeah. just a closer on an episode yeah it was over the, over the closing credits in fact so and it was a uh, hold a chicken in the air uh, stick a deck chair up your nose and no, so on and no. so on well that was the kind of the thematic of it and it was really stupid but it went to number one there you go and that actually tells you a lot about the the, the sort of song, the, kind of the irony of it was that this, everything they were trying to take the mickey out of ended up coming back to bite them because they became the thing that they were actually taking the mickey from. It's such a beautiful irony about the way the British charts work, the way that the British public are really liking these kind of one-hit wonders. We're famous for them here in, in the well, UK, especially. There. Yeah, well, exactly. Two number one. But we're famous. If you looked at the UK charts going back to the 1970s all the way through to probably the late 90s, maybe the mid-90s, it's replete with one-hit wonders. We're just famous for them mm-hmm. all the time. One-hit wonders, one-hit wonders all the time. Um, and I think the, I think it's great that we have that. You don't get it so much now because you know music is a ubiquitous, fluid thing that just exists in every every single in everything that there is. It's all over the place. So you don't really get them. But back then you did. And the chicken song, which I recommend you go on YouTube and just watch because it is stupid. Um, but go and watch it because it is just it is funny because it's I, I love watching it because of the fact that it became the very thing that they were trying to take the mickey out of. And I think that's really funny. Did you did you dig it? Probably at the time. I, I did like Spitting Image. I, yeah, I look back on it now as it's it's stupid, but I would still hum it. It's still, Exactly. You know, <laughs> it is, it is yeah, an earworm. Hold man. the chicken in the air. Stick a stick Buy a jumbo jet. And then bury all your clothes. Your clothes. Paint your left knee green. Then extract your wisdom teeth. Wisdom teeth. Form a string quartet. And pretend your name is Keith Z. For some reason, the worst thing about it is not just an earworm for me. I have like a a weird memory for crap songs like that. <laughs> it so does. I'm it really not, does. I do, it I could, tortures I, me with I, them. I could recite you the whole next verse. I'm not going to. Um, no. But... There's something about being a rapper ho. That's the only yeah, thing. <laughs> learn to speak a rapper ho. Yeah, climb inside a dog. <laughs> yeah, that was the, one of their lyrics. Um, now, th- there is a tie-in to the C64 in this because at the time this was happening, there's a little undercurrent thing, which we'll probably cover later down the line a little bit, but called CompuNet. CompuNet was a modem-accessible early pre-internet space where you could log in via a modem. I hate to think what kind of transport speed you'd get, but really slow. And you could download early demos. And without going to a long description, a demo at this stage was just kind of graphics and music and maybe some scrolly text or something to just put out there for giggles and for to show off. Anyway, some of the mm-hmm. musicians used to put some of the demos out. And I think they all, of the big C64 gaming musos at the time, I think Rob Hubbard, Ben Douglish, um, I'm not sure. I think at least a few more maybe had a go at doing a version of the Chicken Song. So if you go to the HV Sids uh, <gasps> music, uh, download the archive and download them. In there is the Chicken Song, the various different versions <laughs> by the various <laughs> game musicians of the time. 
And you can decide for yourself who you think is the greatest. I'd love to hear a Tim Fallon version. <laughs> that would be so accurate that he'd have like perfectly rendered Sid sounding chickens in it. So, uh, but uh, that you can go and you can go and, in fact, I'll probably put a little snippet in maybe of these in the background behind our chitter chatter and this bit. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but maybe. either way, just YouTube that. And it's funny. It was funny at the time. I don't think you, I don't think yeah. it'd work now because you don't really have number ones that are stupid. You don't really get well, them anymore. You only do get you? Number, stupid number ones when they become some kind of uh, sort of Twitter viral thing. Yeah. Viral thing. Yeah, well go, let's get, the, let's get, let's get this to number one. Yeah. Well, and everyone goes and downloads it. And yeah, whatever, I think, it's well, like, it's, there was none of that back then. It was just like people wanted to, they actually genuinely like this. Well, yeah, this is it's this is the eighties <laughs> version of a TikTok hit. So, you know, that guy thumping his desk and singing soon, may the Wellerman come was soon was soon within about what? A, have you not heard of the Wellerman? <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't do TikTok. Right. Well it's not it, a guy on TikTok sang a sea shanty. It then got added to by all the different people of TikTok to the point where they were adding the bass and the tremolo uh, tremolo, the bass and the treble parts and the harmonies and the instrumentation and it became this big thing. It became like a viral hit. It then got released as a single, a signal, a signal, a single, a signal. It got released as a sig- signal, a signal. I can't say it released. It, released, it got released. It got released, and then it became like a a big super hit. I think he had up to okay. thirty million down. Something ridiculous, anyway. Even Brian May from Queen was on TikTok playing along with it with his guitar. That's how crazy viral it went for that song. So, and you missed, if missed, I, missed me. That's bizarre that you haven't heard that, but you, now I've said that, you'll hear it. Because there was, uh, it, it doesn't matter anyway. But that's the kind of thing that happens now. But I suppose this is the 80s equivalent of that because you didn't have any social media or anything like that to spread mm. these things around. So it was just, but it shows you the power of TV at the time because this was just a TV show on ITV. Yeah, it was, and it was late on. What it was yeah, late on so, Sunday night. Sunday night satirical. It's like about ten o'clock on a Sunday yeah, night. I think they I averaged rightly. about ten to fifteen million viewers for the for that yeah. show, which for a political puppet-based satire show. It was, kind it, was just, of mad. it was brutal as well, wasn't it? They yeah. had, didn't they have um, not Nolan one? It was the uh, uh, Thatcher's sort of right hand man. They had him like as some S and M punk, didn't oh, they? That, yeah, that was. Um, Is it Tebbit? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Norman it was Tebbit? Tebbit? Norman Tebbit. Yeah, yeah. He had a black leather jacket on, and yeah, yeah it was like so weird. Just, that you just go, you know, go YouTube some because it is funny, but it contextual. Because um, so there's loads of Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev and. Very, very of its time, uh, but yeah. it is quite funny. I mean, they even take the Mickey out of um, when the um, Chernobyl disaster <laughs> happened and the news coverage of it at the time. It's just honestly, it's a proper, properly old, old school satire <laughs> show. Did, did, I, I remember my friend having the. Um, it might have been was he? No, it wasn't you. But I mean, you may have seen it. He had the uh, Spitting Image annual, um, and the centre spread was um, Prince Andrew. Yeah, that was me. You had that. I still got <laughs> and it. And his genital and his genitals were just a string of sausages. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've still got that. It's one of the, it's one of the most disturbing images yes. I have ever seen. It is truly horrific. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you could probably find that with a swift Google as well. You probably could. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put it on the website. It's one of the images I'm not putting on the website because no, so, I, I never want to see it again. Because no, I don't need to because it's, it's indelibly burned into, the, into my frontal lobe. You know, if we took a picture of your eyes like in the Victorian times, that would be on them still. It's just burned in there. Right into oh, the retinas. Oh, horrible. It doesn't leave you that it's image. The, it's a... It's a I think it's a real man in it with the puppet yeah. head and then there's yes. sausages. Just a string just, of sausages oh. just laid on a plate where his <laughs> manhood would be. Yes, it makes oh. quite grim viewing, yes. And uh, in, in modern context, even worse. Yes, absolutely. Um, Gosh, yes. Uh, anyway, Spitting Image, that was number one. That was a long, long time, number one singles. Right, number one albums. We talked about this last time. Um, Street Life, 20 Greatest Hits, Brian Ferry and Roxy Music. Ah. Uh, was, was for another three weeks. 
um, uh, up until it was finally upended. We spoke about this briefly, I think, but we knew it was going to come to number one. Uh, it was So by Peter Gabriel. Mm. Or did we mention the single? No, yeah. Sledgehammer. We mentioned the single, yeah, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, that's on that album, isn't it? So. Um, yes, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. Peter Gabriel uh, was the in the in the last week um, of May uh, with So. Um, it's a good album. Um, I prefer... I prefer his mid his earlier stuff. Pro post Genesis pre so mm-hmm. was a, a load, of, load of good albums he released and some really really good songs in those in that period. Uh, but so's okay. Yeah, it's quite a good album. I, I got some got good tracks on it. Duet with Kate Bush's on that one, isn't it? Don't give up. Uh, don't give up. Yeah. Mm. God, that song's depressing. Yeah. It's not. It's just the very um, very opposite of not giving up. Very opposite of what you want to do after listening to that song. Is give up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like you failed in your messaging. Yes. <laughs> you want to a bit more up tempo. You've gone Don't off. Give you, up. You've gone Don't off brand. <laughs> you've gone off brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Uh, right, new releases of note singles. What have we got? Fourth of May, actually. We had uh, Chicken Song was in yeah, at number 11. That went straight up to number one the week after. Crazy. Number 35, one for you. Rock Lobster, Planet Claire by the B-52s in at number 35. That is a reissue. Is it? Yes, because... It said, it said new. No, it's, it's definitely a reissue. I've it said new. Rock Lobster came out way before that because I heard Rock Lobster in the early 80s. Is it because, it's, 80s. because it's a double A side? Must be. Well, Planet Claire might be new, actually. Yeah, so it may, be that, it may be that Planet Claire is the main track matter. there. Do you know what? You've got two great songs. The B-52s are one of my favourite bands. And so you've got mm, two great songs. Rock Lobster, amazing. Who doesn't know Rock Lobster by now? Planet Claire, that's a good album as well. That's from, so all good. Warning, the following section contains blatantly incorrect information about glam rock band Doctor and the Medics, who, for some reason, Adrian confused with 80s pop band Dead or Alive. We can now 100% confirm they are two completely separate bands with different singers, though both bands did release versions of You Spin Me Round, and both singers had huge hairdos. Apologies. All good. Uh, number 40, Spirit in the Sky. This was all on the 4th of May. <laughs> Doctor and the Medics. <laughs> what exactly were they? Who knows? They were mid mid eighties, sort of new romantic, Stock Aiken and Waterman, weren't they? Is that is that where they were produced from? Is that a, is that a Stock Aiken and Waterman, and Waterman oh. track? Yes, because they're bit, they're they're always popping Goodness. up on um, those uh, top of the pops documentaries. Yeah, um, I remember and, the and two gothy uh, girl singers in the background of the video of the, of the performances. Yeah, and yeah. then you got Pete Burns as the lead singer. Is it? Pete, it is Pete Burns then, and that is it? Yeah, yeah, Doctor of the Medics. Yeah, it's I, Pete Burns. I wondered if it was. I it is. Wonder. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Pete Burns. Um, so yeah, so that was number forty. That will probably that will go to number one next month, I reckon, or maybe even probably next month. Um, number sixty nine was something to believe in. Somebody put something in my drink by the Ramones. Classic Ramones. Um, it is. I actually didn't hadn't heard them. I the Ramones are a massive gap in my musical knowledge. I really should listen to more because I listened to these two and thought they were both ace. Something to believe in is amazing. It's a <laughs> Ramonade. <laughs> it's a big it's a, they, they do this big sort of um, thing called Ramonade and it's something to believe in so they've got loads and loads of act, um, acts in it all doing this song about uh, like Band-Aid and uh, We Are The World and everything but it's Ramonade um, you got to love and, them yeah? you got to love them and that uh, somebody put something in my drink just as an aside um, and nobody will know what I'm on about here but you will um, has the same chord sequence as Mask, oh, right, the song okay. we wrote. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh. the same. It's a different key, but exactly the same chord progression. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Well, we didn't I, hear I, that. I picked, I picked it up and played. It. I went, "This sounds awfully familiar." <laughs> <laughs> what song we wrote? So there you go. We wrote very similar. Eleventh uh, of May, 
Um, number 25 was Rolling Home by Status Quo. Uh, I like Status Quo. I can't help it. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. I do. <laughs> you know, the, they, they, they are, I think, very unfairly criticised. No, because, they're fairly criticised. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's unfair. You know what? They never pretended to be the greatest band in the world. They never pretended to be anything other than what they do. They play what they play. They Well, they did. Um, obviously, the sad passing of um, Parfit has, has changed all of that now. But mm-hmm. um, they didn't ever really deviate from what they do. And if and if you listen to them, as much you either obviously like that kind of thing or you don't. It's just rock and roll essentially, really. But it's um, not for me. There's some great tracks by them, Caroline and stuff like that. It just I think they're brilliant. Um, just for their simplicity, they don't over egg that pudding. They're just loud. And they, <laughs> believe it or not, they did an unplugged album, an acoustic, a live acoustic album. And it's really, really good. So just... I'll take your word for that. It is good. It's certainly better than the next one. Number 55 in on 11th of May was Holding Back the Years <sighs> uh, from Simply Red. This would be the start of the Simply Red onslaught until we get to Stars, which oh, was the biggest album, of the, one of the biggest albums in the 90s. I didn't dig it. I couldn't understand why. I can't stand Simply Red. No. I can't stand him. I wanted it to be called Simply Bread and I wanted him to just be <laughs> made out of bread. <laughs> Because that would uh, have been we... that would have been more interesting. Well, or simply dread. Simply based dread. Around Judge dread. Judge dread. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, I couldn't understand Anything it. Would be good. But he seemed to be like a real chip magnet. Oh, he's a. Mick he, Hucknall he's, was he, like, he's my he's God. Bragged, he's, then he bragged that he slept something like about two thousand women. Yeah, all at once. It was incredible. It was like a. <laughs> it's like honestly, that guy was pumping protein like a <laughs> top oil rig. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't like. I don't like. In fact, I, I don't like any of their songs. They used to call him oil. They used to call him Man Oil Derek. <laughs> but <it laughs> but he, um, it, there's nothing. I don't get it. I, I never understood what they why they not just why they fancied him, but why people thought they were a good band. I didn't get it. There was just no. Don't they fall into that category of bands that you really hate? As oh, well. Absolutely, they, they do. Yeah, Blandcore. Yeah, t- Blanc. I was trying to think of the name then. Blandcore. Total middle of the road. Um, yeah, they're the housewife's favourites. House. That's it. Housewife's favourites. Mid yeah. mid mid eighties housewife's favourites. That's, that's, that's what they are. They could have got you know. the guy from Wet 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 and Mick. Is it Mick Hucknall? Isn't it from Mick Hucknall? Yeah, yeah. Get them to as I said before about certain other people. Fight it out to the death with Batless. <laughs> You know, you can play their <laughs> versions. <laughs> well, I think the, the, the better little twist we could have on that is to get Wet 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 to play that in the background. So so Wet 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 and the rest of the band actually have to play the... Yeah, it would be a really slow, boring version. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't mean to speak ill of Mick Hucknall, but he is not a fighter. So he's, he, you know, he's no, a lover. My, 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 my pillow is though. I suppose he's a right, he's a right. Uh, yeah, he, he's a tough old bird. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he is supposedly. He is, well, he can pillow anyway. a boss. So, <laughs> as we've said before. Anyway, avoid Mick, that. Mick, avoid that. And Mick can do hook haul. <laughs> Mick, yes, there's a there's a there's a rhyming slang for him, but we'll not go down that there road. Is. Number sixty two was "Hungry for Heaven" uh, by Dio. Oh, yeah. we mentioned him at the start. <laughs> did we? Did we, we mention did. Dio? Yeah, we did mention Dio. I don't know how he... Jeff Capes and Dio are in the same sentence, but yes, we found a way. <laughs> we found a way. Life found a way. Just a massive, massive Ronnie James Dio with Jeff Capes and the stomping past in the background. <laughs> well, I, just, I can just to... imagine a, a welcome to Jeff Capes Park. <laughs> How did, how did you, how? Now that is a huge pile of discuses. We have to introduce frog DNA well, into actually, him. Well, actually, to be fair, it, now that is a huge pile of shot. 
thing is that no, they've used budgie DNA to uh, <laughs> to, 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 just imagine a cow being lowered down and just vicious clucking and flapping and feathers flying up and then and that guy was like wincing. They you know the, the the sort of jungle hunter guy with his shotgun. Oh, that's no, I can't see that. I can't see that. I'd oh, like to see Jeff, a version Jeff, of that. Jeff Cates has part budgie yeah, stomping just, past in the background. Just smashes through that fence. Smashes through the fence. And when they shine a light in his eyes through the cow window, he just goes. <laughs> Welcome to Jeff Cape's Park. <laughs> anyway, Dio. There's something oh, to do. Dio. Something to do with Dio. Yeah, I'm not, I was. I was never a fan of Dio. Um, and just to show that anybody can have a um, football song. Uh, in, in number eighty-three was "Everyone's Cheering the Blues" uh, by Everton football team. Yeah, number eighty-three. Uh, I, have a, I have a feeling they were probably in the FA Cup final or something. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. maybe they were. Probably uh, number eighty-four was "Robin of Sherwood" by Clanad. <laughs> I loved that. I listened to that tape so much. I used to love that tr- album. <laughs> It fueled my fantasy brain. Proper good. Robin Sherwood. Robin. Yes. Now you can't tell me that didn't become the soundtrack for about a million games of Dungeons and Dragons at some point. Goodness me. Apart from maybe the Robin Hood part, because obviously they just say the word Robin Hood, the hooded man, a lot. I was for quite a while. It took me to. To realise they were saying Robin the Hooded Man and not Robin the Hooligan. <laughs> the Hooligan. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what I thought they were hooligan. saying. <laughs> I thought it was like from the from the sheriff's perspective. <laughs> Considering it's a TV show theme, actually, it's quite unique because Robin of Sherwood was a TV show, a good one too. Um, until they changed Robins and then it kind of went a bit downhill from yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It's only it's only good with Michael Praden. Yeah. Now the ne- the next one on the eighteenth of May. I have not made this up, but the the. Collection of um, weird coincidences that are in this. This went in at number 64 by a band called Zap. <laughs> Random. And it's called Computer Love. Weird. And it's essentially a prediction of Tinder. Right. I've got the link there. You should look at that link. When it's fist finished, or thing, or when you're on a break, go have a look at that link. I will. Listen to those lyrics because it's essentially it's, it's about making love to someone via a, a computer. Um, it's very odd. But it's by a band called Zap. It's number 64. There's too many coincidences here, and so I had to include it. Um, I will put a link to this on the website because for everyone should should see this, or I'll, I'll tweet it out. Probably just tweet it out because uh, I'm not going to smoke the that? website. Is it, it's I know, nothing it's weird, to do with Zap 64, no, though. nothing no. to do with... They're an American band, I think, called Zap, um, and there's two of them, and, yeah, went in at number 64. I was like, oh, that's really weird. Wow. Um, but there you go. Number tw- uh, 25th of May, uh, Everybody Wants to Run the World by Tears for Fears. Um, obviously that's just a remix of Everyone Wants to Rule the World Uh, number 25 Invisible Touch by Genesis Mm. that's a good album that's my favourite Genesis album it's your favourite Genesis album is it also not um I can't remember what I was going to say that. Yeah, is it's is I, I can't remember the Brazilian arm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Touch I was, I was to, is it the one with the Brazilian? That's the question I was going to ask. Yes, it is that yes. one. Yeah, it's probably in the, their best. It's a great one. album. It's the yeah um, before everything went to pot. But yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, number twenty-eight, Big Mouth Strikes Again by the Smiths. Oh, I don't like the Smiths. No one likes them. Well, they like <laughs> Every, themselves. Everybody <laughs> says they do like them. They just they're just lying. I'm well, sorry. Uh, uh, I'm joking, of course. You can like the Smiths. It's yeah, all right, yeah. but you can't like Morrissey these days. Well, do you know, as this for random, I was once in a rock band, no word of a lie, playing a, a gig in Los Angeles with the said rock band and the people who we were, it was a, like one of those multi-band events where you've got several bands on in one evening. And we played and the band after us was a Mexican Morrissey tribute band. <laughs> so there you go. 
Random, <laughs> that is the most random version of, uh, of um, Girlfriend in a Coma I have ever heard. It was like Mariachi. It, it was weird. It, it was downright weird. Was it the Jimmy Smith? <laughs> <laughs> It was weird. It was. It was. It was, if you imagine every imagine every, every day is like Sunday by Morrissey. Is that the Smiths or Morrissey? Are they one in the same thing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Yes. Imagine that, but imagine a mariachi band playing it, but with with Morrissey and a really good Morrissey impersonator who happened to be Mexican. It was really. It was really <sighs> weird. That is weird. Um. But yeah. Anyway, number fifty-five, Venus by Bananarama. Yeah. Uh, she's so got Bananarama. it. Oh, baby, she's got it. Yeah. yeah so it's not even their good. song. They were stockade kid of Walkman as well, weren't they? They were. Would go on to um, fuel a thousand um, razor adverts for women. Yeah, and just as a just as a little aside, do you remember when they did a did you, uh, like a song with Fun Boy Three? Do you remember that? Vaguely, I think yes. it's the Lunatics and Fun Boy Three was a bits of the specials. I think so. Um, yeah, what a strange, bizarre thing. So that's what I mean about <laughs> these crazy world of one it wonders. Of course, Banana Rama went on to. You, they were like the one of the most popular girl bands of oh, that type of the time, they were weren't they? Pro, well, yeah, one of the prototype British girl trios, I guess, weren't they? Good singers, uh, actually. Last, as well. last one. Well, Sinead, was it Sinead, um, what's her face? Siobhan yeah. would go on to be Shakespeare's sister. She was. One half of that. Number 71, our last song, single, is Wild Child by Wasp. Oh, Wasp. <laughs> Just like a wasp, you want to swat it away. It, it is funny it. when you look back at these because they were, you know, everybody was in up in arms about rock and roll being this big influence of terror and everything. And you watch looking at it back now, and it's just cosplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it, there's nothing. There's nothing, you know, particularly evil about or vicious about. It's just ridiculous pantomime. Where do they live, well, uh, wasp? Are they in the sort of hair, are they in the hair metal <laughs> arena? Avenue, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just down the road um, <laughs> down Wasp Street no, I mean where about where, where are they where are is they, their yeah, flag they, planted are they hair metal are they gone metal what are they yeah they're the same place as um, Striper M- Motley Crue <laughs> God <laughs> that's a deep pull <laughs> Cinderella <laughs> must be around that time right I don't, yeah, I don't know just, they're just more of that they're just yeah. that those you know the, the crap yeah um Albums, new releases, albums, the 11th of May. Um, <clears throat> and at number two was The Love Zone by Billy Ocean. Good old Billy Ocean. There's got to be plenty of love in that one. Um, we know what, because we've got movies to talk about, so there's been problems with that anyway. But anyway, number eight, Home and Abroad, The Style Council. I struggle, with Council the, I struggle with The Style Council. I struggle. Fringing on bland, you know, yeah, version of bland call for I, me. I don't get it. And I get that. Paul Weller's a talented guy. I don't doubt that. I just didn't dig the Style Council. I just remember one of their songs really annoying me when it was on Top of the Pops because it was yeah. always in the way of other songs that I wanted to hear. So, <laughs> so, get off the stage. Yeah, it just Paul, felt like it's like, oh, not, not the Style Council. And they had really deep political messages in their songs, didn't they? But that well, kind of that kind of thing, you know, it's like Billy Bragg. I'm just not in that zone with that kind of stuff. No, so. I mean, I've never liked anything from Paul Weller since the Jam. So. Yeah, same, same. And, and I didn't. Um, that's uh, you know, that's where my relationship with Paul Weller ends. The Jam. <laughs> Soon may the Weller man come. You see, it all ties in because that's the <laughs> name does. of the that's the sea shanty that the guy got famous with TikTok. Anyway, um, it wasn't about Paul Weller. Soon may po- <laughs> Paul Weller man come. Somebody do that version who's listening to this podcast. Please do a soon may Paul Weller man come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. Somebody do that. Is this that sea shanty you're on about? Yes, that's the, the yeah, but it's I've not got, about no, Paul got, Weller. I've got nothing to add to this because I've no idea what you're on about. I've never heard it. <laughs> Shocking. Um, 18th of May, number 18, Moonlight Shadows by The Shadows. Oh, dear. I was amazed they were still going at this so, point. So were they. <laughs> They couldn't be stopped. They couldn't, be- they couldn't that, believe that, it. That, they were like, what do you mean this album? We, we, did we record an album? <laughs> <laughs> but 
don't know. I bet it had uh, a patch on it. <laughs> it's just that twang, 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 the, the, the glorious sound of a fender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number 22, Raised on Radio by Journey. I know one song that everyone knows by Journey. Oh, no, you know two. I'll say, I'll wager you know two. Go on. You know, Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. And Anywhere You Want, oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. the way you I always need forget it. that's by Journey. I, remember, I only associate that with Caddyshack. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you need to associate it with. <laughs> and, and the end of that Simpsons episode. Yeah. Where did all, all these people come from? Who cares, Marge? It's a party. <laughs> anywhere you, anywhere you yeah, want. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 25th of May, Standing on a Beach, The Singles by The Cure, your favourite. No, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> I know you don't like The Cure, it's fine. Um, and then there was uh, the Ramones album, number 38, Animal Boy. Um, I really should listen to Ramones. Yeah, I I need to to say li- about I'd rather them. listen to more Ramones than listen to Cure. Uh, it's it's going to be more, you know, it's going to be more punky and happy, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, is, is the Cure one got the forest on it? Is it the forest they did famously? Right, possibly is at it, that point, 1986. Flapping in the trees, <laughs> that one. <laughs> Could be any of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the Cure. <laughs> it's pre. I think it's just, this is pre-disintegration, so I think this is probably everything pre-disintegration, but I could right. be wrong. Um, so it's pornography, things prior to that. Anyway, there you go. I think that's the music, isn't it? No, it's is the music. That's that's, uh, that was the so music. That's what it was. It was. So uh, hold a chicken in the air, I think, is the message from that. Um, <laughs> and learn to speak a rapper Yeah, climb inside um, a dog, yeah. Climb inside a dog, yeah. So there's your music. Uh, an interesting month with lots of weird stuff being released, um, but I still can't go with that computer love at number 64 by Zap. I'm going to check that out. Uh, you should. You should. It's not very good, but you should check it. I will. Um, but it is weird in that it does predict like online dating. Bizarre. In 1986. It's weird. Um, anyway, there we go. That's the music. We'll be back in a minute with our last set of games from this month. Uh, not this month, from uh, for this part. Um, so join us uh, in a bit. <laughs> A massive shout out to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Dave's next book, Escape from the Condor 64, sees someone trapped inside their bread bin. They have to complete one of the games they're stuck in to escape, finding themselves on a space freighter full of robots to shoot or take control of. Can they possibly clear the decks? The book, ebook, and audiobook are all coming soon. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Alter Ego. What superb interactive digital storytelling, he reckons. In fact, he even still plays it. Grow up, Dave. Welcome back. We've got our last three games now uh, before we move into some crap birds, round up, um, and see what we've got coming next week. So let's get on with these games. God, yes, let's get on with them. Ugh. Our first one is Hocus Focus, not by Pocus. Hocus Pocus, <laughs> not by Focus. It's all too crazy. I wish it anyway, was. So, yeah, absolutely. It would be better. This is Hocus Focus. Um, Graham, Hocus Focus. Want to tell us all about Hocus Focus? So you are a reporter in this game and um, there's a report that there's a professor is, uh, has got some kind of underground base that she's, that she's got of, is chock full of stuff and you're trying to get the scoop 
on this stuff. So you're going to make a story out of it. So the idea is you go down into this into this world as a photographer um, and go around taking pictures of things, taking um, sort of gathering the story and turning it into a, a bit of a story. And so it's really, it's a dressed up, walk around, pick stuff up, take pictures of things, explore the base, find the stuff to assemble the pieces to do the thing. So it's kind of one, one of those. One might say a knockoff impossible mission. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Similar in many ways in that sort of idea. Now, similar in only that tone <laughs> um, yes so you you play this out over four this screen split into four areas so you've got the tiniest little play window which is kind of in the upper middle area which is kind of your small window where you've got a little guy he moves around you can jump at and I kept just dying randomly, and, and there's really weird speech in this game as well, which is really odd. So I kept dying by doing... I'm not sure what... I, I have to say, I wasn't 100% sure what I was doing. and what, I knew what the game was, the aim of the game was. And it's also... This game is kind of icon-driven as well. So it's there's a little... If you imagine, it's a little little bits of logic from other games where you've got sort of point-and-click icons to choose from, and you can sort of do, choose to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's these other views, which are where you store your photographs and the things and the bits of the things that you collect. So it's it felt a bit like... In that multi-screen kind of idea, a bit like uh, Master of Magic, that but scrap the idea that it's anything like Master of Magic or anything as good because it's not. But the idea where you've got screens that have things that you collect and show and do. Mm-hmm. So it's split into those areas. So you, as you explore this this base and you encounter objects, you can examine them. It's th- that's the the impossible mission part. So you're going around exploring the base, doing those things, and then you can develop the pictures and you can form formulate them into a kind of a story. Um, there's all sorts of radiation areas inside the professor's home. So um, yeah, you can die from uh, too much radiation and so the idea of the game is to kind of go through and there's little weapons you can pick up I can't remember if they were daggers or I can't remember I didn't get really that far into the main crux of it all so that's the that's the game it's played out over these tiny little windows which I found quite annoying because it didn't seem there didn't seem to be a reason why you would make it like that because Mission Imp- Impossible Mission was kind of full screen mm-hmm. um, so you kind of wandered around um, and I just found it a bit weird to control the little icons were kind of a bit stupid didn't feel very good there's really crap speech in it. It just sounded like some guy, theoretically. It's just having that, somebody doing that in the background. So it didn't really add anything to the game. It's got interesting David Whittaker music. We've not really spoken about Dave Whittaker music in games so far in these podcasts, but he's actually a good musician for C64. And this isn't a great piece of his, but he, there'll be more from Dave Whittaker as time goes on. Um, so I didn't get into it the much, too much. I didn't particularly like it. I thought maybe the premise is interesting, but very familiar. Um, and I just thought that it, it felt too odd to control and too small on the screen to really enjoy it. So it felt quirky. I couldn't get my head around the score that Zach gave it because I didn't. I, that didn't seem to me to be the game I played. The version that they review and play in as much as it's the same. I didn't get from it what they did. I don't. They must just persevere with things in a way I don't. I don't know. But I would never have given this game seventy percent in a million years. But there you go. Nope. What about you? No, I hated it. I couldn't yeah. stand it. I thought it was a mess. The only thing I liked about it, it's a, like I said, it's a knockoff. It's some kind of, take some elements from lots of other games and try it to does. put them together into something that doesn't work. Um, it's like thinking that if you take a pizza and a pie and some um, salad... Mm. And, and then and then some lasagna, and then you put them all on the plate together because they're all good. It will be a good plate full of food. Yeah. It won't be. It'll just be. It'll just be a mess of food. Yeah. Um. That's a terrible analogy. No, I get but it. You can't, but you get what I'm saying. That you take the good bits from other things, and then you think, well, if I put them all together, then surely exponentially that make them all better. Yeah. No, you just you just made a mess. Yeah. And that's what this game is. The mess. The only thing I really liked about it 
and I did like it, was the main guy's animation. Yeah, so it was yeah. quite nice and smooth. And when you're carrying a sword, I liked... It's a, it's a nice bit of animation. It's a nice, yeah. nice sprite animation. I thought it was quite good. Um, I, did, I thought it was weird that you kind of... Yeah, I've got an icon-driven adventure with annoying speech mm. uh, and a main character and a well-animated... You mean you didn't like the speech when it warned you of the... <laughs> no, I thought it was asking me if I wanted to train to Nottingham. <laughs> He's the, the 6.30, is that late? <laughs> so I was like, what? I turned to Docker Girl. I was like, we should get this and Chimera together. Oh, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I might do a mishmash of both of them just for the sake for a goof. I'd be, I'd be careful because my, my thought might be you might create some random AI out of that nonsense <laughs> and, and end the world. So just be careful. Careful what you do. Um, yeah, there's a main well-animated character in a well-animated onesie. I didn't know why he's in a, one, in a onesie. <laughs> He was in a onesie. Yeah, it's in a onesie. Too many. It's just one colour, isn't it? It's so easy to do. <laughs> it is, but give him some shoes or something. Weird. It's just a onesie. Um, I don't know. I looked in some jars and then some weird things came out and went yeah. at me. It kept killing me. I don't me. know why. No, they didn't do anything oh, to I, me. I, 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 went, I walked over a jug. It was like a bottle jug. Yeah. Look, look, use the eye icon to look at it, and I just died instantly and just formed a ghost. It went, nah, nah, nah. I was like, oh, thanks yeah. for that. Why? Why does looking in a bottle kill me? Why? I'm a reporter. <sighs> I'm pretty sure I've looked in bottles before. Stupid game yeah. logic. I didn't like the fact there was no title screen. No, it just start, It just started. I don't, yeah. I don't like that. And the no. visuals were muddy. There's, there is a vaguely nice tune. Yeah, it's a good good work piece. The, the next game's got a better work piece, but hey mm. Um It's mm. just a bad game. God knows how this got 70%. Yeah. I have no idea. No. Because... <laughs> There's another game we're going to play next in the next episode. It's very similar to this, I thought. Mm. Um, Ark Pandora, yeah, um, which is similar, similar kind of ideas and similar problems. We'll come to that later. But yeah. this, these, this, these games where they take these elements, so they take the sort of icons of Shadowfire and Zoids, yeah, and Frankie goes to not, not Frankie goes to um, and uh, elect what's it, Enigma Force and yeah. uh, Force Protocol, and then they think, oh, we'll put them into an arcade game. No, like, no, the, the, the no, not with a joystick and a single button. No, just, just don't do this. No, it just it's breaks bad. the flow. It breaks the flow of the game for me. I was like, it just felt, it felt. Well, I wasn't controlling something. I wasn't sure really what I was aiming to get him to do. Yeah, and I didn't understand it. The, the photos no. that I kind of found were just, just I don't know. They were, I don't know what they were. They were no. like poor man's approximations of the uh, puzzle pieces from Impossible Mission. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, exactly that. What, that's that's what I got from this. It just was, mm. you know, oh, we'll do that and we'll have that from there and this from there and put it all together and it'll be amazing. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, it it, it it runs smoothly and the scrolling's quite nice in that small window, which is probably why they have a small window because um, they're scrolling it right. Because obviously Impossible Mission is a... Doesn't scroll, does it? I don't think, apart from in the lift. No. Um, so it does. So it's a flick screen, isn't it? So I can see why they've done that yeah, from a technical point of view. However... It's not a good game. It's a bit bland and boring, and it's not very good. And I didn't, didn't get on with it, and I, I didn't enjoy my time with it. So no, hocus, I agree. Hocus, hocus, nocus. Unfortunately, yeah, it's just, just get result. get lost, hocus prappus. <laughs> That's a, the uh, the Latin name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get. If you're going to do a game called Hocus Focus, you may as well use Hocus Pocus by Focus as the music in it, surely. In, indeed, yeah. Although, actually, I'm kind of glad there isn't a C64 Sidchip yodeling coming. I wouldn't I to think what that would sound like. But. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. I'd like I to hear it. Gold, I imagine Galway could do a good version of that or Follett. Yeah, well, yeah, it would be it would sound like a yodel if they if they probably did. Uh, I mean, yeah, true. Yeah, um, yeah. So no, we don't like Hocus Focus. I think it's a that's a misfire yep. on all on all fire on all sport. Yeah, uh, let's move on.
to our next game. Um, linked tenuously by a David Whitaker soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, so our next game is, is it a racing game? Is it a driving game? What is it? It's Electroglide. That's what it is. Um, so there is a, I've got a screen grab of the title screen of this, but I think that's the Mastertronic re-release because this is from English Software, mm. the original release. Um, and that that picture that Mastertronic have put on their re-release is all kinds of weird. Is that the one that <laughs> looks like Jason Voorhees on a Harley? <laughs> or, or Humongous. Yeah, Lord Humongous on a, on a Harley <laughs> it's Davidson. Humongous in the onesie from Hocus Pocus. It's bizarre. It's <laughs> but bizarre. notice as well that they've, they've spelt the name of the bike wrong because yeah. it's, it's spelled it with a C, not a K. Oh, that's never good. Um, anyway, Electroglide. So what is Electroglide? Um, it, it's not... Okay, this is... It, it's a driving game as much as a racing game. This is this owes more to games like OutRun, Sega Rally, that sort of thing, where the, the point of this is to get from checkpoint to checkpoint rather than complete laps, as in Pit Stop 2, Scale Electric, and those kind of games. So... This is a diff, you know, it, it's that checkpoint based driving. So, but the whole point of this is it's, it's kind of, it, you you drive around some kind of approximations of supposedly um, of US, uh, Australia, sorry, America, the UK, and Australia. Um, one thing I do like, let's start at the very beginning. When the game loads up, you get presented with a couple of options. I really like, for once, I really like the uh, vector graphic logo and stuff and the way that morphs and everything it's very nice really nice little bit of uh, animation there and yeah, the clever. way that the and the way that you choose the map the way that it morphs from america to england to australia and back yeah, nice really nice as well um you have unusually you have a sort of steering setup as well uh it doesn't seem to affect things that much within the game itself but you know at least there's some kind of uh yeah, yeah. to do actual steering sensitivity and then you get going so you pick your location you you get going one one of the big the big draws for this game one of its big big things for the time was that it, it has tunnels um and they're pretty impressive because the the actual 3d driving effect in this game a little bit glitchy but it's actually pretty good it's fast it's smooth um it's just weird it's just a weird driving game because there's the objects all it is is you on the road you go through tunnels the object is to objective is to get to the next tunnel which is your essentially your checkpoint drive through that and so on and so forth the background's changing color but on the road you are beset by a sphere um a cube and a jet that flies over every now and again and drops pillars down on the road and you've just got to avoid them and that's it that's really it yeah you just push forward you get going it's fast because there's very little going on and i imagine that it feels more like a tech demo than a game yeah I agree. what it's helped by is a really really i really liked and i've liked it back then and i like it now is that piece of music by dave whitaker yep. it's a cracking bit of music that that has a really good sense of pace to it that matches the driving of the and you know it stops and starts along when you you know you when you when you get hit and it has it matches up with what's what your pace you're going it feels enjoyable in that respect, and I do remember playing a ton of this. I played loads of it, just because it's it's one of those games you can kind of just put on and just it's almost hypnotic in some kind of weird way. It's so Moorish, but I know it's not a good game, and there's no way I would ever recommend this to anybody. No, because I think for some reason this probably only really appeals to me and something <laughs> in my brain that I, I can't quite. I understand there's just a collection of buttons that this presses that I'm well aware that there's very little to it and that this is everything that I kind of don't like in racing games but for some reason I find it hypnotically enjoyable and uh, (laughs) and it's a strange one for me 
and I enjoyed my time with it now. I'm a bit more analytical of it, and I can see it's, you know, back then I, I was probably just sat on my own in my bedroom at nine o'clock at night and, you know, stick this on, like the music, drive in. It's kind of almost that, um, that you know, that outrun vibe because you know you when you got a magical sound shower playing uh, and you're just enjoying that whole vibe that outrun gives you this is this was a prototype to that for me i can see other people hating it zap couldn't stand it mm. absolutely 100 and get that viewpoint and i would never recommend this to anyone but it has a soft spot in my heart for this and i, I still quite enjoy my time with it but, but although i know it's not a good game i'm gonna guess you were probably not as abusive i thought it was crap <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, nah. and, I, and I can't disagree with you. That's the thing. I couldn't, I, I couldn't quite figure out what, and I don't think it knew really what it was trying to be. So it was either it was neither a race game nor a driving simulator. It was just a bendy track thing. Yeah, I didn't feel like demo. I was. Con- it's like yeah. a tech demo. We're looking for a game. I mean, I never really felt like I was in control of anything, which is always a bit disappointing because you want to be in control of something, don't you? Yeah. But I never really felt like I was in control of it, and that I found that a little bit annoying. The music's great, and I did enjoy that. Um, and it has that kind of quasi three D effect. It just, and I suppose if you put a in a different hat on, you might end up with some of those early sort of PlayStation games where you've got like a futuristic spaceship shooting around at high speed around a track in that kind of way. A wipeout, that wipeout, that kind of thing. So yeah, so it's not the idea of the super speed racer flying around on a track and doing all of that. It's not, you no, know, it's not, it's not an out there concept. I just don't think it. This, I think this just lacks enough of the finishing factors to make it really good. So mm-hmm. it just felt like it should. It felt like a budget title, but not at budget price. Um, yeah, eight ninety five is way too much. Yeah. Had this been one ninety nine, it might have got away with it better. So um, I, there are parts that I really liked about it. Um, I quite like you say. I quite like the demo weirdness of it. I did like that aspect of it. It does feel. It is quite techy. It just and the music was good, but I just never felt like I felt like I could have been watching something happen before my eyes. And when I was trying to avoid the little potholes in the road, it never felt like I was actually moving out of the way of them, even though I yeah. So I was yeah, kind of yeah. am I going to hit that? Why am I going to hit that? I'm pressing left, and I'm I'm I don't know if I'm moving left or not. It kind of is slowly, but it just felt that the I was just. You know, leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, you are well, correct. I don't. I couldn't quite get it, and that's what I found a little bit annoying. But it, yeah, I, th- I think it got this one on the on where we said that the previous crappy hocus focus rubbish got too high a score. I would argue that I think they were a bit mean to this game. I think that it, it got hammered because it's too expensive. If this had been one ninety nine, I, I think that would have been in the sixties. That score, not in the thirties. So, but that's, yeah. my, that's my feeling. But I it think was, it's it's just one of those games where it is. It's barely a game. Yeah. It's the te- it's like a, it's, it's it's if you if this came like um with when you bought your Commodore 64 and this was like a tech demo thing you loaded up and you, it was just an unending road that you stared back and forth and went through tunnels and there was a bit of music and that was it. No real challenge, no score, no real point, you know. You would think, "Oh my god, this this machine can really do stuff." Like you got with the dinosaur on the yeah. PlayStation and those tech demo things you used to see. It's kind of it kind of feels like that, but unfortunately they've they've released it for 9 quid and called it a game yeah um and that's where it's seriously lacking yeah it, it is, there isn't much game in it is there let's be honest no that's what i said for me yeah. it was almost it was always just about a mood that evoked yeah and that was partly that if again you take the music out it's, it's boring as hell yeah but that music just driving along 
it's one of my favourite Whitaker pieces. Interestingly, um, you could put there's an album by Apollo 440, one of the, their first album, I think, called Electric Guide in Blue. Or is it might become one of the actually it's not the first album, it might be the second album. That's a film, isn't it? Electric Glide in Blue. It might be, but either way, Electric Glide in Blue is a really good album. You could put that on and, and happily play that. And this game would kind of suit that kind of you no know, mm, techie dance kind of dancey sort of constructed sort of soundtrack. It, I think if like I said, this has got that early super speed racer vibe about it, but without the racer and stuff, it's just missing all of the elements that would make it a racy game. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is, absolutely. It's <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a tech demo looking for content. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what it is. Yeah. So, in that respect if you go at it like that looking at it like that you can think that's some because there's some clever code here i think mm. yeah the, but, par- the parallax scrolling as you go in the background as you move around and the road bends and stuff is it's technically quite clever but like you say nothing much to it yeah nothing much to it yeah i'd like our next game maybe mm. so the last one this week um is I think regarded as a bit of a bit of a favourite. A load of people like this. I think yeah, this is it's quite a bit, quite, of, a, quite a bit of a seminal classic for the C64. Uh, I think so for for a few reasons. So, mm. uh, Graham, tell us all about your uh, thrust. <laughs> tell us about. <laughs> I'll tell you about my own personal <laughs> thrust. Your, your thrust experience. My thrust experience. Um, <laughs> thrust so, is what we're talking about. Yeah. So, thrust is a um, Firebird game. It's a version of an arcade game called Gravitar, and um, a damn good one at that. Now. The, the thing to mention first off is that this game is one ninety nine because mm-hmm. uh, it's in the kind of budget range. And I have to say, for one ninety nine, you're getting a really good game. I've, there's a lot more games in the games we've played for this episode that are a lot worse for a lot more. So one ninety nine immediately sets the benchmark for this game being great value for nothing else. The game itself is um, you kind of vector led. I don't think it really is vectors. I think it's a sneaky not vectors game on the C sixty four. No, that's right. But, but they look like vectors. Yeah, but they've, so. but they've play, played it out like vectors because the original was kind of was a vector game in the arcade, but. So um, the idea is you're on a planet, you've got a spaceship which you control with the thrust. So gravity is affecting you on this planet. So the minute you start, your spaceship is going to fall towards the ground, hits the ground, boom. So you've got thrust controls. So it's keyboard controlled. I I didn't actually use joystick controllers. I played it with keyboard. I don't know if you can use joystick. I I thought it was. So you rotate your ship left and right using the keyboard and you can thrust uh, and you and the idea is you've got fuel as well so the idea is you've got to pick up these orbs that are dotted around the landscape and then use your tractor beam and fly off and fly off from the planet and take them take them with you and the quicker you do that and the less interaction you do because there are things on there that will shoot at you and there are things you can do about that you can shoot at them but ultimately you are working against gravity so as soon as you pick up your orb it connects it via like a, a chain or like a line and that is also affected by gravity so you've got to think about how you're thrusting because that thing's going to have um, inertia and move around and you've got to think about that so it's a game of tactics control thought about so you can't just you can't just put your thrusters on and fly around the landscape and shoot things it not only was that kill you instantly or very quickly but it wouldn't work um you um can then sort of uh, get to the surface and then the idea of the game is that the the way to get these orbs becomes more difficult as time goes. There's fuel that you can also pick up along the way. There are things shooting at you that you can shoot at and it stops them shooting at you. But if you want to blow them up, you can shoot at the... Sorry, you can shoot at the little nuclear powers for the gut turrets. And they shooting the nuclear power stations will shut them off for a short time. However, if you shoot that too much, it causes that to go into critical meltdown. And then you've got to escape the planet before the whole planet blows up. And then you actually get no score for that. And you don't complete that level. So it's actually a clever game. The, more, the further you get into it, once you get used to the controls and the use of the subtle of the controls and knowing that you can't just blast your way around this game you've got to use tactics the orbs start to be buried inside of caves so you've got to navigate little passageways in caves and then try and get a way to get the thing out without being shot and, and it's quite tactical it is very hard um, and it's hard until you sort of get to full grasp 
grasp of the controls, it is hard and it takes a long while to do that. It's got an amazing score. Um, Rob Hubbard music again, but a really good piece of Rob Hubbard music for this. So it's really <laughs> good. So no, I forgive. Uh, actually, no, I don't. I can't forgive for Jeff Capes, but this is this <laughs> goes some way to making up for that in this in this episode, in this issue. Um, so it's great music for the price. It's an amazing game. And I really, I really liked it. Now, the, now the funny thing is, I didn't like Thrust when it came out originally. It wasn't a game that floated my boat. Um, I didn't particularly like it. I'm never a big fan of, of vector-based games of this type. So the even when it comes right down to uh, Asteroids, which has got that kind of same vector look, you know, a little triangle vector spaceship shooting little pellets and dots and things like that. I wasn't a really big fan of that either. But this, I found on a replay, I found, and I don't know if it's because I just played Hocus focus or whatever <laughs> but i found this Please. game was actually really good and i really tried to get into it more so i thought you know what i'm actually going to take my time to try and learn the controls because you're against the clock and all these other things in this game so it's, it's tough old bird and i just took my time with it to try and get used to it and play it and replay it and replay it and give it a go give it a proper go and i really really enjoyed it um it is hard it is very unforgiving if you you know if you make one mistake you're going to pay for it there's very little the very little recovery from mistakes in this game if you jet put your jet on too much and you thrust too far you're going to be a goner or you're not going to be able to recover and, and be able to do the things you need to do it's great i really liked it it got a, a deserving 94 percent. it's a sizzler so it's it's worthy of that for 199 it's a bargain it's an absolute mm-hmm. bargain um, mm-hmm. so i enjoyed it and re- revisiting it i really enjoyed it did you get the same vibes probably not uh, yes to to a degree um so yeah so it's it's one part asteroids one part gravitar um it's Essentially, it's two forebears. Um, its visuals are taken from those games in that kind of vector style, as you've said. It's clever, it's addictive, and it's tough. Um, it's, it's a simple premise, you know, get to, you know, an inertia-based, uh, gravity-based craft, navigate caves, find the orb, leash to it, get it out, all good. Um, it's, you know, I like the sparseness of it. So the visuals, the sort of line, the way that the planets are drawn is very nice. I like that kind of visual representation. Yeah, I, I'm, nice. I'm not, I have no issue with those, um, that sort of vector look. I, I, I've always liked Asteroids. I thought it always looked quite cool. Um, probably because of the screen itself and it had that kind of glow, didn't it? Which kind of came around the around yeah, the actual yeah, lines yeah, yeah. to glow on those those screens like a vectrex and then that's that that um that kind of visual styling so i'm all right with that um my main beef with this and it was the main beef i had with it back then because i played a lot of it back then and i still do it now i don't like controlling games like this with keys it, it i'm just no good at it it's not a spectrum yeah give me a joystick i have a joystick and you know, it, I don't understand why it's not up for thrust, left and right for turn, tap for shoot, and hold for beam. Mm. I don't get it. That's it. That's all you need, or even down for beam to to grab it, because that's all you really need to do. So you've got you've got five controls, you've got five input, and and for me, it's almost a deal breaker because when the, the issue I have with it is that I I I, I played this a lot of, again because I think like yourself, I thought I'm going to give this a real go, and I got to about the second or third world. I think it was the third world, and I, and what happens is is what happens when um when i i invert um first person shooters so i invert so up is down down is up how i look my son doesn't invert because he doesn't think the way i do he doesn't he hasn't played flight simulators no, when he's nobody plays it like you do no i know well invert is a thing that's how i do it i don't push up for up and down for down because i imagine that i've got a pole in the top of my head and i'm pushing it forward and back it's how my brain works <laughs> can't be undone <laughs> okay. it's done right when i pick up the controller off uh, or, uh, to help my son who's so playing a first person shooter and I grab the control of him or he's saying oh can you do this for us and he plays in a bit what happens is for for about 10 seconds I'm, I'm, I'm alright I'm just moving around and I'm starting to but consciously I'm thinking it's up for up and down for down as soon as any action kicks off it all goes to pot 
it all goes to pot because my my brain kicks in going right you're now the concentrating muscle memory on that kind of thing. I, i'm not concentrating on the controls and thus i'm pushing up for down and it all goes horribly wrong and that's what happens with this as soon as the I'm, i've got to think i'll oh, press one button for thrust another for turn another for, it's done I'm, my brain's broken and i can't do it and that's the problem i have with this i do like it i think you can get a lot from this but i'll never get past the keyboard controls it's just uh, and so I, it, it's me it's more me than the game because for, for two quid it is a bargain it's a great it is a great game and i can see that there's a, there's a really really good game in this i just wish it had joystick controls i really do because i think i'd love this i'd absolutely love it um to way more than i do right now i can appreciate it from a distance i just can't play it very well and that frustrates the hell out of me yeah and i think that's a bit of a throwback to its because it's a port, isn't it? So it's 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 I, I it's, it's, it's not wasn't built on the C sixty four. This is a BBC Micro original. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. So the C sixty four is one of the later ports, and I suspect the BBC version and the Acorn Electron version and some of the others probably used actual vectors as opposed to sprites. But so that makes me wonder because plugging joysticks into those, I don't know. Some computers like the Sinclair Spectrum, you needed some kind of archaic thing that you plugged into the computer to make joysticks <laughs> oh, the Kemp, work. The, the Kempton Kempton interface. Yeah, the, whatever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. And it, I, don't <laughs> open, I bet if you opened up a Kempton interface, there's nothing in there. It's just powered by pure magic. But I think it's like that movie Halloween 3. So the one just gets a bit of Stonehenge, <laughs> just crumb, crumbles it inside it, and it makes joysticks. Anyway, I think that's why it's perhaps not got joystick control. It seems a bit of an omission on the C64 win, and I agree with you. I think it might have been... It would have been a. It was my first instinct was to get the joystick and sit there and think about trying to control it. And then I realised that, like you say, it's all keyboard. This so, but there is only what left there's five right, keys. There's left, but right, fire, thrust, and and grab, isn't there? Essentially, shield. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So it is kind of that kind of is an arcadey throwback. Too Maybe much, that's what too much for a brain though. I was, to be fair, it's what used to break me about asteroids as well. As soon as asteroids got heated up, I was just. How did you cope on Defender the arcade? Because that had buttons for everything. It didn't. It was too hard. I couldn't, couldn't get my head around it. I'm not. I, I like you know. Without without sounding um, like some kind of euphemism, I like a joystick in my hand. <laughs> yes, psychologically, this says a lot about you. I know, sort of thing. I'm not no, very good, no, at, pushing, fair, not very good at pushing buttons, but I'm great with a joystick. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I think it surprises me that some clever, you know, retrospective bunch like Remember that release that re-release a lot of these games with all the trainers and all of the things mm. haven't added joystick control to it in some clever way because it's the sort of thing that they do. Maybe they will down the line. Yeah, but the um, thing is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how much that the reason why I know that I, I like this game and I respect it from a design point of view. I think it's very clever. This was, um, we both know um, one of our ex-students um, who made a, who made a very, very good game that had a very similar concept for their final major project. And this was the game I pointed them at saying, when they were kind of coming up with it, it says this, I pointed them at Thrust. Remember Quad Core? Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so you, if you look at Quad Core and you think, they're all tethered to a ball. Yeah, no, there's definitely similarities there. Yeah, well, that's what I pointed them at. I went, look at this. And then and they were like, oh, that's clever. Yeah, and then they, they went off. So I, I absolutely, 100%, the design of this is brilliant. The, the, the addictive qualities of it are great because it's challenging, it's hard. Yeah, I just yeah. can't get past those keys. I can't. And, and I've tried and tried and tried. I've tried when I was younger. I've tried I've tried playing it quite a few times over the years. I've tried a big chunk again for this, thinking, you yeah. know what, I'm going to break this. But as soon as things start shooting at me and I have to spin, thrust, get my thing, I'm blown up, I'm dead. And I'm, and I'm hitting the keys. And I'm and I'm crying yeah. inside. Yeah. Oh, there you go. But if you know if you can handle them, then you'd probably love it because it is a great game. And so I can appreciate that. I just can't play it, and that's that's fair. Makes me sad. Makes me sad. There you go. Um, that's it. Yeah. Anything more on thrust? No. Hey, gr- oh, sorry. I didn't say. Possibly. Oh, I know. I say this every week. Possibly my favourite Hubbard tune. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it's not one of my favourites. It's haunting. The Hubba tune is amazing. It is great to this. I was trying to find... Is it an original piece, this one? Yeah, I think so, for this one. I think it's an original piece as well. It's got a weird, really weird beginning, Mm. which puts, I think, puts people off, because he's got a... Screechy sort of sound, Kicks in. Amazing. A great tune. I love the tune on this. So, yeah, a return from the horror that is Jeff Capes and Jerry the Germ. A proper return to form. This is a, you know, this is a great one. So well done. Yes. Well done, Mr. Hubbard. It's a great, great tune. Um, I said two good tunes in the last two of these games, so I do mm. like them. Um, right. There we go. That's our games. What have we looked at? We looked at Jeff Cape's Budgie Smuggling Challenge. Um, we looked at Alter Ego, Captain Kid. Uh, we looked at Hocus Focus, Electroglide, and Thrust. Yeah, it's only six, but there's only 12 this issue. Blame Zap. It's not our fault. We didn't um, do it. No, there's loads next month, though. Um, there's tons it's of whole, things to look at. There's a whole ton of them. Yeah, so we're going to be busy next next for the next one. But for this one, you know, we had a we only had a cosy 12 to look at, so that's not so bad. All right, uh, let's round up quickly with a couple of crap verts. Um, and the first one is for a game we've actually looked at today. This is the Hocus Focus um, advert. Mm, trying to play on the old idea of it being a newspaper reporter. and It is, yes. So you've got I don't a, like... No. Um, I, there's some bits of this I, I just don't I don't like it I didn't you know, the, no. it's called the Daily Shocker and it's supposed to look like the you know, front page of the Sun or the Mirror or the Daily Star or whatever um, but I just I just didn't I didn't like it I could see what they were going for um, but I, I, I hated the artwork I don't know what those green things are he's got his onesie on yeah, he has got he's, he's a he's got a punk he's a is he a punk? He's got some kind of a punky hairdo in there. He is in the game as well, hasn't he? So yeah, punk onesie, not something you see. I just I don't know. Just I could see what they're going for, but it's just a. And I was debating whether or not to include this, but I, I don't know. There's just it just don't work for me. Does it work no. for you? I don't know. No, it doesn't. It's because it's a it's an attempt I hate that at name the... by, and there's too much uh, there's too much false attempts at humor. YTS boy thoughts potty professor by Scoops McBoozer. Yeah, it just it's a play on the sun kind of idea of a headline so you know the daily shocker there's a kind of it's a bit in jokey for me and and it if you're trying to advertise a game just advertise the game yeah um, there's enough game in there to be able to make it less about trying to create a crap version of a newspaper for an advert and more and try and be clever that way just just be make it more about the game and make the screen of the game the screens of the game bigger than the crappy drawn thing that's on there (laughs) yeah that's so, what I mean. It's like they're so proud of the game itself. They put them in like the smallest screenshot, slap bang in the middle. Yeah, and he's trapped behind some kind of metal fence. I don't, I don't get that. But anyway, and the hocus pocus graphic in there, just sorry, hocus focus the graphic. It's just, it's all disproportionate. These adverts do this sometimes. So the things that you should focus on for a game advert aren't the things you end up looking at. So you know what shouts, what this shouts like that game could be called Daily Shocker. Yeah, that's Do- what I thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it doesn't shout hocus focus, which is less size, and then it says hocus focus latest for some reason that makes no sense whatsoever. You know, if the Daily Shocker was called the hocus focus in that kind of newspaper, that would make more sense another one that somebody with a keen eye could redesign if they felt aggrieved <laughs> by it but it doesn't work to, for me you've got a lot to redesign you yeah are. it doesn't work for me at all i can see what they tried but it doesn't work no um, I, don't, I don't like it i don't, I don't like it at all no. um our last one we've only got a couple the, i think i said before adverts are getting better but this one just smacked of that it's a small advert that kate was in that was advertising for the u.s gold world cup 96 game but the uh, because uh, it, it's in Mexico, it has to go Ariba, Ariba, Andale, Andale. Yeah. <laughs> 
idea. Guess who's got us the software right to the oh, 1986 no, World Cup? No. Hold on to your hats. It's a coming soon. Uh, it's a coming. They I don't think, say that but, in Mexico. It's a coming. Uh, you know, no. I know that's Mario speak. And yeah. I know that he's the mascot. So I've got no problem with the visual. It was just that text. And I don't like pick a color. Yeah, I don't know if you're going for a rainbow effect because that's not a rainbow. Um, no, you know, the, 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 it's all over the place. That's the uh, and, that's and, the and non-rainbow colors. Yeah, just that that um, Mexican ease. Well, just yeah, you don't need to write it in that stupid. It's not Mexican, is it? It's 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 what can only be described as Speedy Gonzalez. It's yeah, exactly. Mexican. That's what it is. Yes, that's what I mean. So, yeah. So yeah. and you know, and there's the reason why that's and I don't know if that ties into the because the character they've got for the actual mascot is a little chilly, isn't it? With the Mexican sombrero on. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, with a you know with a big mustache. All right. That's the character, okay. Well, he he was yeah he I think he was the mascot for yeah, the World that's, Cup. Yeah, so. that's fine. But yeah, just you don't need to put a reba a reba underlay underlay and then try and write it in quasi you know Speedy Gonzalez speak. It's just ridiculous. It doesn't work. And also, why not why not choose a font that actually looks like it's representing Mexico? If you're going to do that, or make it yellow and put cactuses and and if you're going to go down that desert Mexico and you're going to go down the stereotypical Mexican view, you know you want sombreros and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, just it's, it's not it's very good. La- it just seems lazy and I, don't, I hate the. the I, that font is that font is verging close to Comic Sans. And what? And, and I, have to, I have to ask the question: What are they actually advertising there? Are they advertising the fact that they've got the rights to make a game? Because that's just plain weird. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, just, so is that who is that really shouting to? Who is that talking to? And, and adverts need to talk to their audience, and they're trying. To, they're, not, they're not trying to sell a game, and it's a kind of a coming soon. But it's just basically them saying we've got the rights to the game. You know, ha ha like kind a, of thing. It's like a trailer advert. It's like it, a trailer for an it advert. It is. It is. It doesn't tell you anything about it. No price. No price point. Nothing. So it's just saying, you know, guess who's got the rights to this? And there's the US Gold hiding behind the football. So it's like, you know, it, it doesn't the, fill me with glee to know that US Gold have got the rights to that. No, and I and I think the irony was that this might be the one where they just repackaged an old football game with the with the world cup 86 on it uh, this might be that one yeah um it was an it was an older game and then they just they just stuck with the world cup license on it and then re-released it i don't this might doubt be that it. yes because it's us I, gold I could be wrong but i know they did that i know someone did that and this might be that one but well, the, the us gold did do wrong. a little bit of rebadging back then didn't they <laughs> just a little bit just a little bit so it was the uh, strange advert. Mild Mexican West, yeah. yeah. So there's not much yet. Adverts are getting better. Uh, and probably, I'm not sure how long we'll actually keep the crap adverts going for. If they keep getting better, um, and I scour every magazine I can look in. Yeah, it's um, they're, they're starting to up the ante. They are. So we, we may we may change our... We, we may actually change yeah. our from crap we, verts to uh, good verts. We might have to start looking at some of the crap verts for the hardware, some of the hardware claims. Oh, God, no. I, no, well, may, okay. Well, we could of, always do good... We could always do actually change it around to good verts and say, you know, what was good about yes, some of them. Yes, well, um, yes, we, there's we, no we can, fun in have, a good vert, but maybe. No, true, but we can we can go on. We can, think of, we can, we can have a look at it and see anyway. We can we'll think, think something anyway. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. That's your crap verts. So, um, uh, right, yes. So um, that's it. That's pretty much it for this episode. Light on games, but heavy on content. Uh, heavy on budgies. Heavy Big on budgies. budgies. Heavy on budgie smugglers. Yes. In the making uh, of this episode, we didn't anger a giant, but somebody no, did once. Um, yeah, so we're going to continue our look at the games um, from May 1986 uh, in, in the next episode. So that's episode 26. Uh, games coming up. Uh, we've got PSI 5 Trading Company, Muggsy's Revenge, Jack Pandora, uh, Mr. Mephisto, Doctor Who in the Minds of Terror, and Super Bowl 20 um 
So tune in next look week. Look out for that one. <laughs> yeah, tune in, please, please tune in next week. It's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> We've got other things as well, you know. Yeah, we have. We've looked at, we also look at films as well. Uh, yeah. some, a couple more crap birds and charts and what's coming up next. So um, I think that's about it for yep. this episode. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can contact us in the usual way. So find us on Twitter at, at ZappedToTheTuda. Uh, so uh, message out and see, you know, chat about chat about anything you want that you may have, we may have raised in this issue uh, episode sorry uh, you can find us on facebook uh, it's a page in the group which is called Zap to the Past. So come and have a chat. You can find us on Instagram, Zap to the Past, um, or you can email us uh, at zapped to the past at gmail.com. Or you can come look at the website where the crapverts reside um, and see all the games we've covered, uh, other downloads for older episodes. And that is just simply zapped to the past.com. I think that's about it, isn't it? That is pretty much it. Just Google Zap to the Past. You'll find us. You will do. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Listen to uh, Hands On Gaming. It's a good podcast. Um, I've just listened to the most recent two. When, it is good. Of, when, they, when, when they hear this, it's like, oh, we released those ages ago. Um, but their <laughs> episode on Creatures and Frankie Goes to Hollywood, the latest two, um, I really enjoyed. They're really good. Yes. Uh, Retro Asylum podcast, that's also good. Listen to that. Um, and yeah, so uh, I think that's about it for us. Anything more to add? Nope, that's it. Nope. Right, well, have a good week and we will see you next week. I've been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Ruddings. And we've been Zap to the Past. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, sights, sounds and news from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at the time. We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love the Zap 64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.